Welcome to Know Your Gear QA, podcast number 230. Uh, that's that's a lot. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys all had a good week. Uh, as always, if you're new to this uh, show, oh, you should hit your mute button. Uh, if you're new to the show, please, uh, if you're talking to me, please uh, use a question mark at the beginning, whether it's a, a subject or a question you have. Uh, of course, if you super chat, I'll try to get to those as well. Like I said, I, I try to spend as much time getting those, especially before the end of the show, as possible. Um, uh, but always a, a great subject is always the best if you can find uh if you could put that out there, that'd be great. Also, uh, if uh, if uh, you're watching the rebroadcast and uh, I timestamp everything, so you can go right to the subjects or questions we talked about. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, Pandora, whatever you listen to, uh, sit back and relax and listen to the voice of the gear person talking. I'm just kidding. Um, a lot of cool things this week to talk about for me. So hopefully uh, I'll get some of that stuff out when, uh, when, uh, as I can, <laughs> as I can, uh, and maybe if, uh, if, if we have time and it's okay, uh, some cool announcements at the end of the show, uh, especially since I gave some official announcements to my patrons today, uh, this would not be the same announcement they got, but it would be something, uh, at least you'd be in the loop a little bit because it's been pretty exciting stuff and very hard project I've been working on. Okay. So what do we have? We have, uh, we have uh, some people hanging out. <laughs> Let's take a look. Um, the uh, um, uh, you know, let's start with a cool announcement. So I'd like to point out that last week, and I've I've talked about this in the past, that you can be the ambassador of this channel. In other words, you guys, uh, the value of YouTube, the value of a gear channel, the value of a review channel, the value of whatever the hell uh, all these channels like I am is you. <laughs> right? It's, it's the opposite. It's not like, it's not like, it's not like an artist where you're a musician and you're creating music and then your fan base kind of draws to your music. Um, the, the value of this is really you guys. And the reason I point that is nothing has proven that to me as many times, even though over and over again, as what just happened, uh, yesterday. So yesterday I received an email, uh, and, uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say his name. <laughs> didn't think to ask. Um, but let's just say, I'll say his name is Tyler because Tyler's awesome. Tyler uh, reached out to me from Sweetwater and Tyler sent me a message and it was great. And it basically said, hey, Phil, listening, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the email from me, but said, hey, Phil, listening to the podcast, heard your audience really wants uh, you to do a D'Angelico guitar. And uh, long story short, I told you guys last week that, uh, you know, that if you guys were interested in that guitar, I would reach out to Sweetwater and get that kind of cinched up. And uh, I didn't get to it like I supposed to. But more importantly, he got to me. And we are not only has it been shipped, it's on its way. With some other goodies, we're giving it away. So I'll do the video and then we'll do the giveaway. So that'll all be explained when the video happens. So there you go. So you guys basically, in effect, are uh, got a amazing guitar on the channel. You did that. And uh, and then you guys got uh, the opportunity to to get that guitar. So uh, thank you for that. I think I, th I think I, I'm thankful that I got the guitar on the channel. And I'm not as thankful that I have another day of work to do. <laughs> 
Maybe I am. You know what? You should always be thankful to have a job and a day of work to do. So I am thankful. So, but I wanted to give you guys accolades because this is exactly what I was talking about, right? They heard your voice. They're reacting to you. And uh, good for you. Good for us. And I'm glad it happened. Um, so, so what else? And like I said, if you're super chatting, like I said, don't get oh, nervous if I'm not answering them. Uh, they are archived. I know we had a problem one week, but I keep them. I keep them so that I have them as, you know, as backup. You guys really save the ch- the the show and the channel by doing these super chats because when I can't find a subject, I can go right to the super chats that I know that are there. And I, like I said, so if I get to them later, we we'll get, we do get to them. Um, <laughs> I'm not old, but I'm vintage. Says, bring down your voice an octave for some ASS, ASMR talk. Yes. Um, okay. Let me get to some, some stuff here. Uh, I saw some cool chatting that I wanted to jump in on. Um, I don't know where the chatting started, so I want to—I don't know who's all going back and forth on the subject, but I saw the subject. I want to touch on it, which where they were talking about the lithium versus the beryllium versus, you know, these Kiesel pickups. And I've had a very interesting experience with those pickups uh, with Kiesel. So uh, you guys turned me on to Kiesel. I was aware of them, but as you guys know, as you know, if you go back to like the 100 episodes, like in the first 100, a lot of communication about check out Kiesel, Phil, you're going to love Kiesel. And uh, I bought a used one, as you guys know the story, and then I reviewed it, and then Kiesel saw that, and then they gave me a Delos, which was nice. And then from then, I kind of got a little addicted to them, so I have my uh, single cup bevel right here, and my Theos is in the other room, and it's because um, I've kind of... I kind of went with their recommendations. In other words, all the Kiesel guitars I bought, I, I didn't even specify what pickups because I didn't know the brand. I didn't know them. And as you can imagine, they've sent me guitars uh, with different different versions, or not different versions, but different pickups. They had different pickups. And I liked one guitar over another. So what I do have is I have their Kiesel, I've, the, the, the Beryllium's and the Lithium's. They're currently loaded into the Somnium guitar, which you can't see because it's bent by the Strat. It's bent. But um, I, am, uh, I, I am finishing that video up. It's not a priority video to me because I kind of figure it's going to get really low views as you'd have to be in the market for a Kiesel or, or be interested in why you would want to pick between those two Kiesel pickups. Um, but I'll be going through the two pickups and explaining why I like um, one over the other and vice versa. So I just wanted to chime into that, if that helps you guys. So I have that coming. At least I can compare the two. They have a great comparison video. I watched it, and then I kind of thought, well, why do I even need to make a video? But I decided it's not going to be so much to show you guys the audible differences between the two pickups, but explain what it is that I'm feeling and hearing uh, between the pickups, because there's something I like about the Brilliums and the Lithiums, but I'm leaning to the Lithiums almost every time, and that's really weird because I'm really not a high-output pickup. I'm more of a PAF pickup or PATH, depending on how you... How, how, which PAF we're talking about, by the, by the way. <laughs> and if you guys don't know why I say PATH, all you have to do is go and look at my five things you don't know about DeMarzio video, and uh, that will explain it all. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's go <laughs> to another subject. Um, I, I kind of grabbed a few. Oh, here's what's... Uh, I guess it's Yuga Man, Yuga Man 72, born in 1972, maybe, right? Maybe, is that what it is? You, you, hey, that would make you like 49? You're 49 about to turn 50? So um, that's my guess. So anyways, uh, maybe graduated in 72. 
You could be a little older than I think. So anyway, so it says, hey, Phil, uh, new patron here. Uh, it says, why do the same model PRS guitars seem to depreciate over time? Custom 24 goes down every year and resale value. Now, here's the fun part of this question. It says, is it because everyone wants the... And then I hope, I hope nothing happened to you. <laughs> I don't know if I should answer your question or organize a search party for Ugaman72. Ugaman, I'm going to... I'm going to assume you're okay. <laughs> There's no issues there. You you know, maybe you're, you were just done with the question or uh, hopefully maybe your keyboard uh, battery went dead. So, but I'm going to answer your question. Um, you know, I've said this before. PRS guitars are a hard thing to figure out the value of. And it's because, and this is just mostly, it's mostly my opinion, but it's also based on a lot of years of having to buy and resell them. You know what I mean? Um, and see how that kind of happens. I can tell you this, PRS, unlike Gibson and Fender, who are very smart when it came to color strategies. And that's really where I think all the value goes down to is the color strategies. You know, Gibson's a good example, man. They make, they make sunburst, they make black, right? We take, just take a Les Paul standard, right? They make a cherry burst, they make a sunburst, they make black. Um, and then the red maybe, right? So there's a couple colors, okay? And then, yeah, they'll make a silver burst or they'll make a, you know, they'll make white. They'll make some limited colors, but they stay focused on basically a four to five color uh, spread. Even when you see the crazy colors that they do, you know, they'll put out you know what I mean? Like a that purple blue burst, right? The the Frankenberry blue burst kind of thing. Very stra strategic and maybe for a year or two. Where PRS has been all over the place with the colors, right? They make the Arisa Verde greens and then they blue Mateos. And then of course, you know, autumn burst and tobacco burst and silver burst and McCarty burst. And there's so many colors. And what you realize is, and then of course, PRS was really crazy for a long time. A custom 24 at some, at some point, not anymore, but at some point in the life of a custom 24, let me explain what you could buy if you wanted a custom 24. They can't do that now, but back then you could go, I want a custom 24 as a dealer. And they go, okay, what neck? And you could get a pattern thin or a pattern uh, regular or wide fat or wide thin, depending on the, the time they're making the guitar. But we'll say pattern thin, pattern regular. So it was two thicknesses you could choose from. Then there was a switching combination. Believe it or not, you could get the blade switch or the rotary switch or the toggle switch. And then you could choose whether or not you wanted hardtail or, uh, or uh, tremolo. That was really limited, but you know, at least there was a bridge option difference. Then there was colors and there was probably about eight to 10 colors at any given year. You know what I mean? And so that's a lot of option changes. And so unlike a Les Paul standard where you're going to pick it up and be pretty much familiar with what it is, it makes it really confusing because you're like, okay, do I like the pattern thin neck? Do I like the pattern regular neck? Do I want, do I want the, uh, this color or that color? And so I feel like, um, the problem is, is that when most people want a guitar, especially on resale, they want uh, a specific kind of guitar. They're not really interested in the, like I said, the Frankenberry Les Paul. It's not going to be as popular. Now, of course, because Les Paul makes so few of those, Gibson makes so few of that color, even though it's not very popular, there's enough to finish or fulfill that demand, right? Even Fender's is smart. Think about this. Fender, Fender has said this, so I'm not guessing. Fender strategically... Uh, released surf green, seafoam green, colors that they know, shell pink, colors that they know that are not very popular. They're just popular, you know what I mean? But not in the wide spectrum. I think uh, I think the last time I ever heard an official announcement from Fender, I think they said that the number one seller color of Strat was white in the US series. 
So, which is funny because I thought it'd be like sunburst or tobacco burst and it was white. So the point is, is that Fender knows it's going to be like white and then tobacco burst, then black, and then like, you know, maybe candy up a red. And so they release out the colors that are not as popular in limited supply where PRS was letting the dealers just order whatever they want. And dealers were just ordering all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of crazy color PRSs out there. And what I've learned is uh, from when you had to sell them used, somebody would come to your store and go, do you have a used PRS? And you're like, yeah. And they go, do you have black or red? I'm like, I have hot purple flash. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm not looking for that. Or do you have a wide thin neck? And I go, no, I have the wide fat. So you always find that you didn't have the right one. So sometimes that really hurts the resale value. So in a custom 24 is a perfect example guitar. I find you can go online and like you said, you can find a deal on one, but you can very rarely find a deal on the one that you really want, the real, the, the normalized one, the one you see the most of. So that's something to think about. That happens. I see that a lot. I've talked about GNL the same way. When companies tend to make a lot of semi-custom plug-and-play stuff like GNL does, like Kiesel does, like Carvin did before them, like PRS, uh, it does taint and kind of skew the resale values and how they're perceived because of the fact that, you know, there's too much weird stuff out there. So the weird stuff doesn't get, or maybe because it's weird, it's got a higher resale value. But in my experience, is not the case. In my experience, everybody wants, well, they don't want a purple crackle guitar with green pickups. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But what I'm saying is, is in my experience, people, when they see crazy colors or exciting things, that gets them excited for a second. And then they sober up. We used to talk about this in the shop all the time. Somebody would come in and, and we would have like... Um, I, I wish I could think of a good for instance right now, but um, maybe we'd ha we would pull in um, you know, a, a shell pink Strat. And people would come in and, and just see that shell pink Strat for a second. And then go, wow, that's really cool. Or, wow, it's really ugly. But either way, they would go, wow, it's really cool. And they would pick it up and play it. And they go, I think I'm going to get it. And they'd play it. And nine times out of ten, anytime somebody was playing the crazy colored guitar, at the last minute, they always put it right back on the wall, pick the black one or the normalized color one, the, the sunburst, and brought that up to the counter. We'd see it so many times. And it's simple as even colors like Lake Placid Blue. They'd go, okay, I'm going to get Lake Placid Blue. And the last minute, they go, okay, I think I'm just going to get black. <laughs> so um, so that could be part of that. It's a great discussion, uh, you know, in, in my experience, is that there's a truth to this. Uh, one of my favorite things to talk about is, I've always said this, I've always wanted, for some stupid reason, a Ibanez universe a swirl, like from the Passion Wharf album. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> I like that album. And uh, when I was a kid, I was like, that was a cool guitar. And uh, those guitars now fetch... I don't know, $8,000, something crazy like that. Uh, not only would I not spend that kind of money, it's just not something I'm comfortable with doing. Um, I I couldn't do it if it was $5,000, and here's why. I have an RG7620. It's essentially spec'd out exactly like that guitar. It's this. It's the same exact specifications. Um, it's got DiMarzio pickups. It's got the same uh, low pro uh, bridge. It's got the same specifications on the neck. If you looked at my five things or seven things you don't know about the seven string guitar uh, video, I even compare and explain why this particular model, unlike the newer prestiges, are more like the old universes. And essentially, to me, that guitar, I bought it for 350 bucks used. I look at this, I honestly look at this. If you want to pay $8,000, you're just buying a color. You're buying that swirly paint job, which is why I had my Nuno swirled <laughs> to get it out of my system. I had a guitar swirled. Now I have the guitar I want and the swirl I want. So 
that does play. It is a thing that, that it just does. We are all kind of strange creatures. Like I said, this is an emotional thing, this guitar, this music. And so we do emotional things. Sometimes, you know, the guitar that looks like your rock star's favorite guitar is going to resell better. But let's go to the next thing. Okay. Uh, hold on. Yeah, Robot Master Switch says, I have a lot of black and white and burst guitars. So they're by far the number one sellers. It is colossally that way, uh, slanted that way. And I think it's gotten better. I think over actually, in my opinion, in the last like 10 years, I think it feels like overall there's more options for colors in guitars. And we're seeing a lot more players buy those guitars, you know, the crazier guitars. Um, but ultimately, like I said, it's very rare. Most players are going to buy the, the big three, white, black, or sunburst. Those are real huge colors. Unless, of course, unless, of course, the outlier, of course, is the import guitars, uh, like uh, especially Korean-made guitars, but just import guitars in, in general. You, you see a lot of black, you see a lot of sunburst, and then you see a lot of trans-red, that's and uh, and that's because trans red is a great color to basically make a guitar that has issues look better. <laughs> it's a great way to hide problems. There's a, if you ever if you ever want to learn, go on YouTube. I'm sure you can find great videos of factory tours. I like I said I've been to so many factories, and one thing you learn when you're in factories is you start learning their problems that they have. And one of the problems they have is doing certain colors, like blue. Believe it or not, putting translucent. translucent Blue color on a, on a piece of wood is a very difficult thing because if the wood yellows in any way, you get green spots, you get issues. So a lot of times they'll strip that down and just stain it red. <laughs> the red just overtakes and wins. And if that doesn't work, it gets shot black. <laughs> and then they call it a day. So uh, my black, um, my black uh, PRSS2 that I love, <laughs> that's really dark. I'll never forget this. I remember the first time Nathan came over and saw it and he picked it up and I and he was playing it and it plays really good and he looks at it and he goes, "Man, we must have really this must have been a really bad piece of wood." And I laughed and I and I I kind of knew why, but I said, "Why?" and he goes, he goes cuz they really laid on the black stain to hide it. And it is my st- if you haven't seen it in videos, I have a PRS S2 single cut semi hollow and it in most of the videos, like 90% of them, it looks like it's just painted black. It is translucent black. It's translucent gray, black, whatever. But it is so dark. Like, like they, you could tell somebody just kept putting stain on it until whatever that wasn't looking right just went away. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, resale red. Uh, Kevin Smith says, cool, Ingle lunchbox. Yeah, I, I messed up on the Ingle thing. You know, the guy, Ingle guy sent the video, this uh, video, they sent the amp out for a video. I read the email as I can release the video anytime after, uh, 9 a.m. on the 17th. So my plan was to release it this weekend and I reread the email and it said, no, please try to release it, I guess, today. So I didn't release it today because I would have told them that's not a good idea because I have a live show today. You don't want two videos out in the same day. They'll kind of cannibalize on each other. So that video will be released this weekend. So uh, and since you guys are awesome and hang out with me on Fridays, I'll tell you, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
Um, but I will explain what is different about it than the Fireball. That's pretty much the thing. Uh, to me, it's not about whether or not you're, you should be in the market for an amp like this. It will be if you're in the market for the Fireball, as I look over to the Fireball, there's a reason why I think one is for one player and one is for the other, even though they kind of sound similar. It's really set up. For me, it's two different players are looking for these amps. Um, and to something anon, antinone, antinone, maybe? <laughs> no, man. It says, Fender has those player strats. I saw those, the player plus strats. Really cool colors. They had the blue fade and the uh, uh, orange fade. I think I watched Casino Guitars uh, video of it. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I like those guys. So, of course, I was like, I saw, you know, everybody was popping with those videos. I saw... Um, uh, who did I see? Dolby Doss had one. I saw a bunch, you know, like you guys. I get the same stuff you guys get. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, check this out. You got to have this. And so I was like, oh, Fender's launching stuff. So I checked them out. Looked really cool two-point tremolos. Uh, as you guys know, I'm not a huge noiseless single-coil fan uh, for pickups, so it's not really that that part of the guitar isn't really exciting for me. Um, but I, I don't hate those pickups by any means. It's just I don't, you know, prefer them. I have found with my my personal experiences that every time I've had a guitar with noiseless pickups, I've since removed them. So that's that's not uh, exciting for me. 12-inch radius, well, of course, you know I like that because my custom shop Fender is a 12-inch radius. Um, so I love that idea. Love, I love the, uh, the guitars look cool. Didn't see the price. I probably assume they're 800 bucks now. I kind of feel like everything should be like 500 bucks. <laughs> like you guys. Hey, what's that? 500 bucks. Uh, whatever was $500 is now $800. That's just how, you know, the world works. Um, very cool. Like I said, uh, you know, not sure if I'll be able to get my hands on one anytime soon, but obviously if I did for some reason, I would definitely do a video of it. Um, very cool though. As you guys know, I'm a Fender guy. I'm a Strat guy. Strats, Tellys, I like Fenders. So uh, even when Fender releases stuff I'm not really excited about, I'm still like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't really need much of an excuse to want a Fender or Strat or at least want to try them. So, um, And then Fret Level Midnight says the player plus, stra the player plus strats with the non-contoured heel on stainless steel frets. Uh, 1K for the main Mexico guitar, subpar specs, Fender misses yet again. Well, Fret Level Midnight, they're, they're very definitely credible uh, comment there. I have kind of come to the resolve and uh, for myself uh, that Fender is going to be, Gibson and Fender and Paul Reed Smith, I mean, I hate to say it, Paul Reed Smith is in this kind of thing too. They're going to go at a much slower speed than the rest of the guitar world. It's just how it, how it is. They don't need to innovate, uh, you know. And I kind of feel like here's, I kind of feel like this. I kind of feel like um, when, when Fender does something now and Gibson does something now, it feels like not, not only because somebody else did it, like a smaller company or a younger company or a newer company, uh, they do it after like it feels like they wait until they get tons of market research it's like like uh, let me give you an example let's say gnl was to do stainless steel frets standard like kiesel does now hey gnl's like all guitars you know made in the usa and import standard stainless steel i feel like that wouldn't prompt fender in any way to want to do it it would just prompt fender to like have 
like marketing discussions about that. And then over a period of 12 to 18 months of discussions and prototypes and focus groups, <laughs> right? And people's feelings and you know what I mean? Then maybe they would just offer it. And that's kind of how I feel. And so, yeah, um, you know, it's a credible, like I said, credible comment makes sense. Uh, like I said, but the problem for me is, is like I said, it's just like Gibson. There's a little bit of that, uh, you know, I like Gibson. I like Fender. Uh, I like PRS. I like them. Um, and uh, I think that I, I think that's true with a lot of companies. They're just not going to be the innovative companies they used to be. But there's just things that I like about them. For instance, for instance, uh, I'll use this Ingle because give these guys credit. This Ingle to me is um, the first amp I've ever played since my Mark V 25, where I thought, oh my god, <laughs> how much more crap are you going to try shoving this thing? Uh, and in a, in a, in a good way, like, oh my God, like you're literally going, okay, what else can we stick in this thing? What else can we stick in this thing? What else can we stick in this thing? And legitly like it's made, you know, that's handmade or not hand, I shouldn't say handmade, but it's assembled or made in Germany, like the Mesa boogies made in, in California. And, um, but I would never expect Fender to do this. You know what I mean? Fender isn't going to do that thing. Fender is going to go like, Hey, we offered, you know, IRs or something. They offer one of the features. This thing has like 20 new features into it. And Fender would offer like one new feature in their amp series because that's enough. And again, and if you don't like it, that's what's great. That's just like Fret Level Midnight. Midnight. If you don't like what Fender's doing, well, that's what's great. There's other brands out there. And I think that if that matters to you, you should go that route. But the sad thing is, like I said, I really want, I, I, I've, just, I've kind of decided on my channel to kind of be more open about these type of discussions. That's my dog making goofy sounds. <laughs> Anyways, my dog even has an opinion about this stuff and he's like, make better guitars. <laughs> no. Anyways, um, my, uh, what's my point? My point is, is that I've kind of just resolved that uh, there's something I like about the traditional guitar builders you know, even, and there's something I don't like, and there's something I like about the new builders, and I don't like. So, um, let's see. Okay. <laughs> I saw a comment, and I'm like, okay, um, Oh, Daniel, I just want to do this quick one for you, Daniel. Daniel says, best way to use the Boss Acoustic Simulator pedal. I have a video on that. Uh, it's my 10 favorite Boss pedals or my favorite Boss pedals video. And I, I explain why they're my 10 favorite. And in that video, I show you how I do exactly what you're talking about. So you can just go right to that video and watch that video. I just want you, that's an easy question to answer. <laughs> it's like, instead of saying like, I'll make a video about that. I already did it. So you can check it out. Um, uh, yeah, Joe Kelly, this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a second ago, but it makes sense. It says, I don't like black guitars, but both of my guitars are black. That's okay, because he's going to make sense of this in a second. He says, I feel, feel and sound matter more to me than looks. Exactly. Well, that black S2, uh, if again, watching the channel of any length of time, you'll see I had this metallic blue PRS S2 semi-hollow that was gorgeous. There's actually one video that I will not, I like purposely, I try to not watch it anymore, uh, see it at all, because in the background, it's just, I, you, it's just, it's like blinging off at the wall. Notice I said blinging, not, you know, but beaming, but it's like, it's just beautiful. And what happened was um, I had that guitar 
and I had the black one. And the black one just sounded and played so nice. And I I was like, you know, I did everything, like what you always do. I did a setup on it. I adjusted pickup heights. I went through every conceivable thing to figure out what it is about one versus the other. And what it really came down to is, like you, the black one sounded and played better. And I let the blue one go. And because what I noticed was the blue one would sit on the wall and the black one would sit in the guitar stand to get played. That's how it works. For me, on the walls uh, means it's not getting played right this minute. I know you can't 360 the room. It's not a very big room, as, as I've always said. Right next to me, uh, whatever's right <laughs> next, well, next to me right now, that's the guitar I'm playing. Because it's not like I grab off the wall. It's almost like I grab off the wall and put on the stand, and then whatever's on the stand is what I'm grabbing. Um, okay, so let's, let me get some super chats. We've been going for 30 minutes. Let's get into these some of the people that are supporting the channel financially as well. And let's hit, so let's see what they have to ask or say. Uh, the first one comes from Derek. Hey, Derek from, uh, Derek from last week, I think. Derek says, love uh, Friday afternoons. Thanks for all the thoughts last week. Oh, thoughts. So, yep, you were from last week. On the Gibson Custom Shop, uh, he says, mentioned, uh, customer shop, he's talking about they're on their uh, Reverb store. Mentioned the R9 on Reverb for $4,800. It was gone before the end of the show, which KYG-er snagged it from me. Uh, yeah, that's one thing I, you know, Derek, I've had it happen to me now on this podcast, me, it's happened to me personally mentioning to you guys. I've said it like a, like, you know, a couple times, like after the show, I'm going to get, and literally they're gone. So yeah, you gotta, that's why you gotta uh, reframe that. Probably the other reason it's gone is I didn't know it, but this week my buddy Joe came over and uh, it was nice. We get to, I got to, I got to take a nice day off. It was a really, really nice middle of the week kind of you know, get away from everything a little bit. And um, anyways, he came over and we went through all my amps. And a spoiler alert, he said this one was his favorite and the Bogner was his second favorite of all the amps, if that matters to you guys. But um, he was playing the R9. There's the R9 right there. That's why it's there, because we got it out for him to play it and stuff, and he played it. And uh, so interesting, back to what you were saying, he was playing the R9, and he's like, he really likes it, and he goes, what are they worth? And I said, oh, I think they're worth about forty-five dollars to $5,500 used, probably closer to five fifty-five now, who knows? And he went and looked up online, and he's like, yeah, they're all asking six. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, the market is the market right now. But you can find an R9 deal. I see them all the time. So Derek, here's what I will tell you. You lost that R9. If you still want one, they're out there. They're always out there. Uh... The great thing about high-end guitars is, like Gibson's, is it's uh, it's unlike some other small brands that are really high-end and expensive that do not make a whole lot of guitars. Gibson makes a whole lot of expensive guitars. So you will always find one. It's not easy, but you will always find a deal on a more name-brand, mass-produced, expensive guitar. So you can find a deal if it matters. Uh, Donald did a super chat for no reason. Litvey, what's up, Litvey? Says, is there a pickup that I can pull off a vintage that can pull off the vintage Strat sound, but has a higher output, balance better with a bridge uh, humbucker than the Texas Special? Is not it? Um, you know, I will tell you the pickups that I have found that really single coils that really for some reason tend to really like humbuckers is the uh, Seymour Duncan SSL ones. And I forget the name of them, so please forget me because I've, you know, I, I is the uh, DiMarzio, whatever the old Ingve pickups are. I think they're like HS6s now, whatever those are. And then they have the Paul Gilbert versions too. Uh, 
<laughs> I want to say liquid. The problem with all these names after a while, you're like, how do I remember all these names? Um, liquid somethings? Um, they're noiseless, but they really work with humbuckers. They will achieve what you want. Because again, you're not asking me what's the best vintage pickup or what's the best this. I'm telling you, these are the ones I found that just really work with humbuckers. And I've experienced exactly what you're experiencing. For some reason, uh, I've had it happen to me a couple times where I have a, a vintage set of pickups in my guitar and they work really great. And then I yank one out of the bridge and put a humbucker and then all of a sudden they're just not doing it for me uh, comparatively to the bridge. The other thing is, like I said, I still like the Angel pickups uh, from Octave Doctor and those really work well with your humbucker as well and you know uh he makes a really good uh, single coil set for that for a humbucker single single i do not currently have an hss set of uh, pickups i have i have uh, uh decided at some point for some reason that i don't sell single pickups i just sell sets of my of mine pickups and so when the hss set comes out it'll be set so it won't won't matter why it's because i actually match i match every set of every pickup to each other so when you get it, it's a set. I've had a couple of people just say, hey, can I buy one? No, I'm just doing match sets. It takes me a long time to do it. And it's not very effective for my time, but uh, it's what I want to do for this reason. Cause I just don't want to ever hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear like, I got your pickup sounded great, but I mixed it with the bare knuckle. Now I'm having, I don't I just, you know, either you do the set or you don't. There's a ton of other great pickups you can buy. So that's why I said, I, I, I want to kind of have my own niche. Niche, 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 niche. <laughs> I say niche, and then now, oh, it's when I was a kid, we all said, "Hey, I have a niche," and I have a niche, and then now it became niche. I think niche is the more correct way to say it. So the thing about talking on the internet, you talk on the internet, you have your own colloquialisms, your own way of talking, <laughs> right? Where where you grow up, and then when you talk to a broader group of people around the world, you, all the uh, inflections, enunciations, all that stuff, pronunciations, all that stuff gets a little crazy. So anyways, I want my own niche. There you go. Michael says, hey, Phil, recently received my Kiesel CS6. They're less Paul style guitar. Super happy with it. Worth 14 week wait. 14 doesn't seem so bad, right? That doesn't seem so bad. Okay. Uh, says you, and uh, I know he says he's happy with it, but I'm just saying I, I'm agreeing with him. Uh, you and your ver reviews were the main reason I went with the Kiesel. Thanks for all you do. Have a great weekend. Hey, I'm glad it worked out for you. This one was an easy. Kiesel's one of the few brands, very few, on the channel where it came this way on the screen. You guys were hitting me with the brand, and then I started uh, playing them and checking them out. And, um, and so that's why it's, it's uh, I would imagine it's easier because it's not like I'm just like, this is what I like. It seems like you guys really seem to overhaul, overall like them. Uh, Spencer says, yes, Michael, I also got a Kiesel because of your reviews. Okay. All right. So, uh, I appreciate that. And he says for my 30th birthday gift to myself and couldn't be happier with it. Plays like a dream. Thanks for all the great advice and content. Yeah, I'm really great. Like I said, I really like the Kiesel stuff, especially right now for the pricing and what they're doing. It seems really cool. Um, you know, I've, I've heard so many of you guys, and I can tell you right now, it's not hard to find somebody who say, I got a Kiesel and this is the issue I had, or I had a Fred issue or I had this. Um, I've heard these stories from you guys. So like I said, I, I will talk about anything. So, um, but what I will tell you is I really feel pretty confident so far based on doing videos. Cause when you do videos, you get to hear what people think, <laughs> even if I don't want to. <laughs> 
which I, I don't, <laughs> but, I, but I do. I listen. I listen and I read. Uh, and I read your comments and I listen to what you guys have to say because I, I, it affects me for the, how I continue forward, you know, right? Uh, if I did a video and I said, hey, this guitar is great, they sent it out and it's amazing, and 90% of you guys were saying it's horrible and it's nothing like the experience I'm having, uh, well, I immediately adjust to that because I'm like, well, then obviously something's amiss, a, a something wrong. And Kiesel seems to be pretty consistent. Um, I'd say 90%. 90% of you guys seem really happy. 10% of you guys seem very unhappy. And I think, you know, although uh, I think you could strive for a better percentage than that, it seems like a pretty safe percentage so far. We'll see, like I said. And not everything is, you know, quantifiable that way, but go with it. Ninja Warrior. Hey, I like the show. Says I just wanted some, oh, just want to show some support and keep up the great work. I appreciate that. Thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, Alex says, got to spend some funds in 21. Okay, so let's see what he's saying. My Dream Strat is a new Made in America Seafoam Green, but not offered this year. Hey, what were we talking about earlier? Because... So, you know, officially, unofficially, officially, <laughs> unofficially mean they don't officially post it, but I've been officially told by Fender that when it comes to colors like seafoam green stuff, they, uh, we talked about this so long ago, it's probably worth talking about again. Fender told me personally, somebody from Fender, somebody authorized to, to actually know what they're talking about. Fender told me a couple years ago, this great story. They said, seafoam green is actually called the million dollar color at Fender, because whether they make a Squire in Seafoam Green, uh, a made in Mexico or American uh, Fender, or a custom shop, they will sell a million dollars worth of those guitars in that color. And that's why they only release them as limited runs, because that reason. Whenever they sell them, they sell through good, they make a lot of money, and then the sales die off, and then they, kind of like Disney, where they take Lion King and put it out for a year, and then they pull it back for a few years, and they put it out, they know every time they put it out, it's gonna be like, bam! Because like what we talked about earlier, it's a color that not everybody likes. And that's why some of you guys, I think Grumpy Guitar Mike said this once, he doesn't like Seafoam Green. And probably this is what happens to you. When they release those colors out, you get sick of it real fast because it's everywhere. You're like, oh, that stupid color's everywhere. And then when you want it, like what's happening to Alex, they're nowhere to be found. So let's get back to his question though. But now you know why they're not offering it right now because it's out of it's out of circulation. They're probably offering something else because they go in cycles. So there's probably a color in rotation right now that's another wacky color that they're pushing on. He says, uh, will a funky color like Miami Blue uh, have a better resale value later on than a traditional color Strat? Look, no, the best resale value guitars are gonna be the boring ones like we talked about. Um, the weird color ones only do well in the long, long term. So like for instance, in the vintage guitar market, you see this sometimes. You see where somebody has a jazz master and they have it in seafoam or surf green or seafoam green, I think surf green. And you'll see like a Strat in surf green, like a, you know, a 60s era Strat, a real one, not, not a reissue. And because they did very limited runs of those colors, they tend to have more value. But in today's uh, market, you seem to, if you wanna sell your guitar for the fastest, most, you're probably gonna to wanna to have the base color. Now, on that note, if it, it helps, uh, uh, not that I wanna totally influence you on this, I love the Miami Blue, and I prefer that color over the Seafoam Green. That color, Miami Blue, just... My, Miami Blue makes me want to drink a mar margarita and play in a band on a beach somewhere. That's Every time I see that color, it immediately just makes me wanna do that. I mean... I want to buy, I I had, I didn't do it. I wanted to buy a Miami blue strat just so I could 
like literally leave it in the case. I had this dream in my head. This is what you do sometimes you're dreaming in your head. I was probably watching a movie that sucks. That's what you do, right? Movie sucks. Slowly the cell phone starts coming up. <laughs> Reverb.com. <laughs> the next day you're listening to the crappy movie. You're still now at this point you're dialed out. You don't even know what the characters are doing in the movie anymore. So now you're just like, what else can I find on Reverb? Anyways, and I'll look at something and I was like looking at a Miami Blue Strat and all I was thinking was, I should buy this strat, leave it in the case, and then when I retire one day, I will move to somewhere where there's a beach, and I will literally play in a crappy uh, cover band. Uh, it could be a good cover band. I didn't really think about it through that far. And then I will literally drink Mai Tais, uh, 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 margaritas, and and or, uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, the drink with the mint. Oh, man. I want It's not a mint julep. That's not the right drink. It's a, a mojito. I'll drink mojitos and play my Miami Blue Strat. The other strat I love, if you don't like uh, Miami Blue, by the way, is the Tropical Blue that they make for the Eric Johnson. That one's definitely on my radar. See? And now I've just solved two problems. One, you now may be considering the Miami Blue, and I don't have to worry about buying a Tropical Blue uh, Eric Johnson because I mentioned it just now. The three that are probably for sale on Reverb are gone. So let's go to the next let's go to the next sec, uh, subject or question this comes from Tampa Blues who says do you know what is going on with AMS American musical supply website so I received tons of American musical supply websites <coughs> excuse me I apologize I was looking for my phone as I've just realized I don't have it in here um, again I apologize uh, I have reached out to the people I know at American Musical, Musical Supply with no response. I've gotten nothing. I contacted, believe it or not, I contacted the company, the hosting company and the security company, which is like cloud something. Hold on. Let me find it. I will find it for you. There. I need to pull it up right now. Um, this. Uh, this is the, I, 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 I actually contacted this company right here. Um, here, let me do this. I don't know how to, I don't know how to show you guys. It doesn't, it's called Cloudflare. So I reached out to Cloudflare and, uh, boy, like all companies now, there's nobody to talk to. It was pushing me to somebody else, pushing me out. So then I reached out to AMS. I just called their phone number and I got a rep on the phone and I said, Hey, the website's down for like the last three to four days. And uh, this is not, uh, you know, this is scary. I didn't say scary. I should have said, but I said, hey, it's uh, not not good. And uh, they, he said that their hosting system is down. Um, and uh, long story short, I asked, do they know when it's going to come online? He was very apprehensive to give me an official date or time or anything because he's obviously just the customer service rep. He said that his system's down too. He said maybe Monday is like something they're kind of hearing so I can. So here's the deal. They exist. They are answering the phone. So I don't think they're going out of business because the employees are still working. Um, the uh, Them not contacting me back, like I said, I private message people I know there and I haven't heard anything. They could be busy. They could be dealing with this issue. Um, and uh, 
But what I will tell you is, I don't know. You know, I'm like you guys, I was thinking the same thing. I'm sure a lot of us are thinking the same thing. Did they get hacked and now they're being extorted? Uh, you know, right? Um, that seems to be happening. Obviously, here in the United States, this happened to a, a company on the East Coast, an oil company. So it could be something like that. I just don't know. Um, it could be, like I said, their server's down. It could be anything else. Um, but I will... Uh, I, what I reached out for was I said, hey, I know this is probably going to come up because you guys emailed me all week. Everybody's emailing me. And um, uh, I don't know. What I did do also is I, I have a friend who's actually in the know. You know what I mean? Not in the music industry. He's like in the cybersecurities website community. And I said, hey, what 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 do you know? What can you tell me if somebody asked me on the show? And he basically said he, you know, it could be a ton of things, like I said. And he also said, um, um, yeah, Cloudflare also, uh, Cloudflare also provides denial of service protection among other services. That's what I read too. But anyways, what he said was that it's not normal for a company to not make some kind of official announcement. I went on their Facebook. I'm sure like you guys did it too. I went on their Instagram. I see no official announcement of what's going on. I saw just random comments about our, I, they know it's down and they're working on it. Everybody, it's all just like, we know it's down. We're working on it. Kind of like customer service rep today. It's down. We're working on it. So, you know, I don't know. What I will tell you is this. And again, I always, I've always said this. I will always tell you the advice I would give myself. And I always treat you like you're my friends, even though we kind of don't really know each other. And this is what I will tell you. If you are concerned about any kind of cybersecurity issues with them being down, this is what I would do. I would contact your credit reporting agency and put on some kind of, uh, you can just go to your credit reports and credit reporting agencies and put in some kind of, um, I forget what it's called. I apologize because <laughs> my wife does it for us whenever we, this stuff like this might happen. Um, you can go in and put in uh, that you're afraid that your uh, information has been compromised. If you are concerned about that, is what I'm saying. Because I know one of the issues is if you bought things at uh, AMS and you may feel like your information is. That's what I'm saying right now. It would really be nice if they were confirming that they're not having that issue. That's the problem. And I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to steer up anything or scare anyone. I'm just telling you that if you're concerned about that, you should take, you should take some action and you can do that and you don't need AMS. You don't need to contact AMS and be like, is my, my information at risk? You can actually put in some kind of uh, credit freeze. Somebody says credit freeze. You don't even have to do a credit freeze. My wife, basically you can just tell your the credit reporting agencies and your banks that you want to be notified if anything's happening. Um, my wife has done it. It's a fraud alert. Thank you, Joe Coach. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, fraud alert. A lot of you guys saying yes. Yes. That's what my wife has done many times. Anytime we, there's something like this, you can contact your, anybody, your banks, your credit cards, the credit bureaus, and you can do a fraud alert. I would recommend if that's what you're concerned about, you should do that. Um, and like I said, other than that, it doesn't look like anything else other than there's their systems down, but well, I'm sure time will tell and we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but and if you're concerned about not being able to buy from them, you can call them and buy from them. They'll sell it to you over the phone. <laughs> so there you go. That hopefully co covers that question or those questions. Um, oh, also, I should also point out Z Sounds, which is also somehow connected. I don't know the official. I've heard you guys say that they're owned by the same company. I think that's what I understand too. But again, they could be connected in other ways. They are not down. So definitely seems to be very focused to AMS. Um, 
Scott says, thank you for years of entertainment. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. And definitely thank you for the large super chat. Very, very, very gracious of you. Jason Duda's super chat as well to say thank you. Matt Wells says, hey, Phil, I'm an intermediate guitar player, and now I'm getting really interested in bass. All right. It's his thoughts on how to justify practicing bass when the time could be uh, going towards getting a better guitar or getting better at guitar. Sure, that would follow the argument of don't serve too many masters. Uh, Victor Wooten, if you don't know him, he's an amazing bass player from uh, Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones. And he once said that he put, uh, you know, if he wanted to learn piano, he would put the time into his bass, playing piano on the bass. If he wanted to learn guitar, he would play guitar on the bass. And of course, he's an amazing bass player, and that's kind of the logic. I understand that logic. However, I also also believe that if you're not trying to master an instrument like by by any means like what i'm saying is look there's there is definitely there's there's more than one thought when it comes to playing an instrument sure there's being a virtuoso you could be the next eddie van halen the next ingve the next um you know pat Matheny, the next you know bb uh, king of course trying to focus and master uh, a type of music, a type of thing. And this is an argument even not only for it, multiple instruments, but multiple genres of music. Should you be, if you want to be a blues legend, should you be playing, you know, any other music? And and that's an argument I, that I totally understand. What I can only give you is the advice that I would, again, I follow and I like, which is I'm not trying to master the guitar. I'm trying to enjoy the guitar and play music. And I want to definitely be as good as I need to be. So it's pleasing to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm my I'm my own quality assurance department, only my own audience, um, and I play bass and guitar daily, and I like playing both. And what I will tell you is, I really believe this. I don't think playing the bass has hindered my guitar playing in any way. Um, whatever my shortcomings on guitar sure isn't from me when I was playing on bass. <laughs> Um, what I can tell you though, is if you're feeling some kind of weird guilt about this, well, first, what you can do is try to just decide, maybe you don't have to give up time. In other words, let's say, uh, if you really want something, right, you're willing to put in the effort, the time for it, maybe use this strategy. If you are playing, let's say 30 minutes a day, guitar, an hour a day, whatever it is, 10 minutes, I, you know, whatever you're doing, let's say you're putting in 30 minutes a day on guitar. So, um, so think about this. And let's say you're playing seven days a week. Don't deduct. In other words, don't take time away from that to play the bass. Maybe do that and then add maybe 30 minutes a day for the bass seven days a week or five days a week or three days a week. In other words, don't take time away from the guitar. Then that way you don't have to worry about the guitar suffering. So don't take away from the practice of guitar, add more practice on the bass. I think you'll benefit from that. I don't see what the downside of that would ever be. Um, like I said, the only downside to playing bass over the guitar, in theory, would be you're taking time away from the guitar. Don't take the time away from the guitar. Basically, I think if you play bass and you really commit to it, it's essentially uh, going to give you a better sense of rhythm. <laughs> well, first, that seems the first thing that happens. And uh, you get to learn a bit about another instrument. Remember, there's musicians like, think about Dave Grohl. That guy's an amazing drummer, singer, guitar player. I think he could play bass. I assume... Well, if you could play drums and uh, guitar, I say that, I'm laughing. I was once in a band. <laughs> this is true. I was once in a band, and the drummer in this band, uh, it was for a, a Pentecostal church, and uh, very, uh, very intense, intricate stuff they were playing, and I played the bass, and the drummer, who was an amazing drummer, 
uh, we're taking we're taking a break, and he picks up my bass and starts playing on it. And he played better than me. And I was like, oh man, he's freaking amazing. And I go, yeah, that's you know, he's like, yeah. And then uh, he played piano, and he was amazing at piano. And so we were talking one day, and I said, man, I said, uh, what do you play guitar? What guitar? And he's like, I can't play guitar. <laughs> and I said, you. And I, I like, I was in shock. I'm like, well, yeah, you could play guitar a little bit. He's like, I literally can't even play a single thing on the guitar. And I said, let me get this straight. You can play piano. He's like, yeah. And I go, and you could play bass. Yeah, but you can't play guitar. I said, piano is chords and scales and bass is scales and strings and sometimes chords, but you can't play guitar? And he's like, no. And I go, and you can play drums. Yeah, I never understood this to this day. I don't understand how that works. To me, uh, so in your case, if you could play guitar, you could play bass. <laughs> That's how I look at things. All right, um, Pure Nonsense. Hmm, interesting. I wonder where I know that name from. Pure Nonsense. What? I'm wearing a Pure Nonsense shirt right now. This is the controversial shirt last week that you guys uh, had to comment on when I said, uh, my wife said I can't wear clothes unless they're washed first. So it's been washed. <laughs> so we've, we've officially washed the Pure Nonsense shirt. Thank you, Pure Nonsense. Pure Nonsense is a band, so you know. And you can check them out. I'm sure that's www.purenonsense.com. If not, there's a thing called Google. Google Pure Nonsense and check out the band. They were kind enough to send me a shirt, some pics and stickers. Uh, and uh, so give them a check out, give them a shout out. Thank you guys so much for that. And uh, so thank you. Thank you, Pure Nonsense, for the super chat and for the shirt. I really enjoyed the shirt as well. I kind of like how it looks like a barcode from this point up, to this point up. And it's got the guitar in there. Like I like do that. What's funny is I'm gonna do this just for you guys. Every time I wear somebody's shirt or do something, I always do this thing where I pull it up and everyone always finds my der face. It's always like, like so I, I it, no matter what, it's like my resting face is, that's my resting face. So um, apparently, uh, what, I, what I've learned is, you, <laughs> what I've learned from making uh, hundreds of hours, maybe thousands <laughs> of hours of videos on the internet, is that if you freeze frame me at any point, it's pretty much the dirt face. That's it, resting face. I don't know what it is. That's why my thumbnails are so horrible because I try to screenshot a thumbnail and every screenshot is just that stupid face. So, and if I pose, I'm really bad poser. <laughs> that sounds like a compliment and a, and a slap in the face. Anyways, uh, we got to talk about Grumpy Mike. Grumpy Mike uh, is talking. What's he saying? He says, what is something customers do or say that makes you grumpy? Hit thumbs up, everyone. Cheers. Customers that say they do me grumpy. Look, I, I, I had this talk, a discussion with you guys, uh, and I will tell you this. What I've learned is uh, this, uh, the the question I got that relates to this when it comes to the store. Now I understand I have customers now from pickups and I have customers now from, from repairs and stuff, but let me, let me tell you what I learned about my personality and something that was, that's really uh, important to me, which is when I get asked questions by you guys, weeklies, weekly shows, and they send me goes, what do you miss about your store? What do you miss about this? What did you like about the store? And I always have trouble. And over time, you know, because those kind of echo in my head over the weekend afterwards, I've kind of learned to find the answers. And like I said, the thing I miss about my store the most, if there's a thing, is that I had, you know, more gear to experiment with and do videos with, made it a little easier. That's for sure, okay? And I know that's kind of a silly thing. I, like, I should say, like, oh, it's the customers, but I still talk to a crap ton of my customers, <laughs> right? Most of my customers are viewers or still customers of repair, or I see them pretty regularly or I bump into them. So I do get to see them. And so um, 
or bump into him at a guitar center and talk to him for a couple hours. It happens all the time. So that's not something I, 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 I miss so much. What I can tell you is what I learned, and this is why, uh, Grumpy Mike, I'm telling you the answer. Uh, what our customers do to say that makes me grumpy? Well, here's what I've learned. They don't do or say anything. I really learned this the hardest way you could ever learn this, which is I didn't learn, I, well, I didn't learn, so now I've learned it now, to take a break. I was really horrible at it. I'm still bad at it. Um, I would work, literally, I would get up 8 a.m. And, uh, well, I would get up before 8 a.m. because I would be there 8 a.m. I would work at my store 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., 9 p.m. at night. And that was definitely a Monday through Friday. And then Saturday was probably kind of closer to 9.30 in the morning, get there at 9.30, and then work there until about 7, right? And then Sundays, some, most Sundays, was a half day or a full day. So again, you know, six and a half, seven days a week, very common, uh, you know, add up the hours, those hours, a lot of hours, and uh, very rarely not only taking days off. In fact, I can name uh, in, in, in the 12 years at the store, I don't think we ever took a vacation longer than two or three days max, and that wasn't even once a year. And on top of that, I'm telling you this for a reason. This has nothing to do with like a cry for me kind of thing. This is a, uh, I would even be horrible at taking breaks. Like I wouldn't even take 15 minute breaks. Here's what I've learned. I learned that that was the worst thing I could ever do to my customers uh, and then to myself. And uh, I found myself doing that crap still when doing YouTube videos and repairs and all the stuff I do now is not taking breaks. And that's why sometimes you don't see videos for a couple of days or something like that. I'm backing off. It's because I've learned to take a break. This week I hung out with Joe. That's the new, more experienced Phil McKnight. My buddy Joe says, hey, you want to hang out and look at amps? And I'm like, I have to work. And that's what I used to be guilty of is never taking a break. And here's what I've learned. Anyone who's ever had an experience with me knows, anybody who talks to me knows, I'm chatty, I'm usually friendly, I'm definitely interactive. And if you've ever experienced me other than that, it's because I was exhausted. And I've been exhausted a lot. And I've been irritable from being exhausted because I'm tired. <laughs> so, so think of this. Somebody's not even, so that's what I'm saying. Think about this. I, so when you ask me, uh, what are some customers that done that made me grumpy? Well, they didn't do anything. They just got me grumpy because I was tired and I've had that experience. When I think at any time I've had an interaction with a customer where I was irritable and giving them crap, sure, I could say they said something or did something, but to be honest with you, I've had people say, something a thousand times worse. Look, I had a gun stuck in my face. I didn't get upset. I had uh, uh, people scream at me, you know, right? I had a drill sergeant spit in my face. You know, I mean, you know, I, obviously you don't get upset then, but because <laughs> you got to take it. But the point is, I, personality wise, I can really kind of take a lot. And then, but when I get just worn out, you know, it's like anybody. So um, something customers said, nothing. It's every time I've ever had an altercation with a customer, it's literally just because it was it was me. I take ownership of it because it's very rare. It's almost impossible to find a time that I can reflect on where somebody said something that triggered me and got me nuts when I wasn't exhausted. And that goes for YouTube too. Every time I've ever been upset on YouTube, trust me, I can look back now and go, oh, I mean, it's as simple as when my mother passed away, I was pretty irritable for a few months on YouTube and I wasn't smart enough to realize that. I look back at those videos now. You can look back now. I'll, I'll tell again, very, very upfront on this podcast with you guys. When I hit 100,000 subscribers, my mom died <laughs> right before that happened. And uh, what's worse was one of the reasons the resolve to 
step away from the store, do this YouTube and this other stuff was, again, I wasn't spending a whole lot of time with my family. I wasn't spending a lot of time. Like my mom, I rarely saw her. I rarely saw anybody because I was working all the time because I was determined, you know, right, as as any entrepreneur is to, to not let your business fail. You know, it's not about success. It's about you just don't want to fail. So even when you're doing successful, like you could have a great month and you just live in fear the next month of it not happening again. So you work even harder. But my point is, is that in that video, I felt I felt st- it's stupid now when I look for that video. It's still up on YouTube. I never took it down. If you look at my 100,000 subscriber video, uh, if you watch that video, I, I, I'm miserable. It's a miserable video. I watch it now and I couldn't see it then, but I'm there and it's just... I'm like, thanks for 100,000. This is the greatest moment of my life. This is awesome. And if you look at me, I, I, if you now, now you know that literally my mom just had passed away. That's a, that's a horrible video. It's horrible. And why did I make it? Because I, again, that's my ethic of I need to work. I need to do this stuff. And so I'm, I'm a better person now. I know now. And that's my, why I'm telling you this story. Why? I don't know. Hopefully you guys will learn something from it too. Um, that when it's time to step away, step away. Recharge, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever it is. All right, now we got to talk about guitars again. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, I'm not old. I'm vintage. He says I'm looking to buy a, a bass. Okay, I was leaning towards the Nate Mendel P bass with rosewood board, but Fender just released the new Player Plus P bass with active pickups and a PJ configuration. What's your recommendation? I've never played the new Player Plus P bass, but I mean, it looks cool. You know what I mean? I don't think there's a downside that. I personally, me personally, if I can buy a non-artist model, I will always pick a non-artist model instrument. I have artist models. Do I have some behind me? Well, of course, I have the Nuno Bittencourt. Ah, the Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang. Um, What else? That's it. Well, let me look. Uh, looking around. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I have a Joe Saturani, you know, Saturani, Saturani, Satchitucci. Anyways, behind me, um, I like artist guitars and basses, of course. I have a Stu Ham Urge. Um, but if given the choice, I've always picked an artist guitar because I couldn't find a non-artist guitar. There's just something, there's something, you know. <laughs> there's no, Obviously, I own artist guitars, so there's nothing like I'm going to say that I'm not going to say they're cheesy or they're anything like that. They're not. I like them. Some people have more harder opinions about it, but I prefer to own a non-artist uh, instrument because I feel like it's more mine that way. So uh, I'm not old that I'm vintage. That's kind of my recommendation, but it's so you know, it's not based on any kind of actual real information like specs of the instruments or performance it's just this stupid idea of like eh, just don't buy the artist guitar if you can do that first uh curtis c says hey phil have you ever done your own wait have you ever done an, a most faqs video uh like your own top 10 faqs uh thanks for all you do cheers um no i haven't done that uh you know that probably will come now that pod clips are are, are a thing that i'm doing um pod clips for me uh, I'm, I've been testing this, this pod clips thing, as we talked about when I say testing, not only testing, releasing them, see what you think I'm increasing them. My plan is to increase the overall videos on the channel and do pod clips and pod clips have been helping me get more videos done. I know it probably doesn't seem that way, but it is. Uh, I released uh, two pod clips this week, which seems like a lot of pod clips and not so much videos, but I made more videos this week. So next week you'll see more videos. So, ah, uh, yeah, top 10 pod clip would be cool. Like a highlights thing. That would be my really a good, good idea. Thank you for that idea. Maybe a top five, though. 
because uh, top 10 would be too tough. Even editing, you know what I mean? If you did t- t- two minutes per clip, you'd be 20 minutes in. So I think to keep it around 10 minutes, stuff like that really is fun to consume when you can consume something in five, 10 minutes. You know what I mean? You need, really need a heavy subject or a good subject to, to you know, as I talk for two hours each week. <laughs> says Timothy, Timothy Allen says, Phil, I'm, I'm loving the new Squire Jaguar Bass H22 inch scale, uh, 22, 32 inch, not 22. Sorry, buddy. 32 inch scale. Uh, any string advice? Uh, yeah, I like to go uh, bigger strings. So I play 32 inch scale bass. In fact, I have a pod clip that literally just got edited as we literally before the show launched and it will go to uh, Patreon first as they do. And then it'll go out to you guys uh, probably by Monday. I'd be surprised if it takes any longer for Monday to get it out to you guys. And it's exactly what it's about. It's a pod clip of the time I talk about what I'm talking about now, which is why I play 32 inch scale basses. But, and one of the reasons I like 32 inch scale basses, I will put thicker strings on them. Uh, 45 to 105 is what I would recommend as a bass string, but you could go crazy. You could go 50 to 110. I don't. <laughs> you might be cooler and tougher than me. So keep that in mind. If you are cooler and tougher than me, Timothy, go 50 to 110. And, but I recommend 45 to 105, which is a standard, the standard strings you'll see a lot of times on on uh we said I just see 45 to 100 on a bass. Now, if and this is this is important to note, if you do play currently, you do play bass now, like you play a 34 inch scale bass and you are playing 45 105, go 50 to 110. That's basically what I should have said. I'm sorry. I should have just refined it as play one gauge up from whatever you play normally. If you don't play any normally, go 45 105 like I said. So, the reason I should say the reason I'm pointing that is on my 34 inch scale basses, my personal ones, I play 40 to 100s, which are light bass strings. So I play 40 to 100s on my standard basses and I play 45 to 110s on my, no, 45 to 105, sorry, 45 to 105 on my short scales. So again, one kind of setup. Same for you guitar players that don't know what bass players do. (laughs) It's like, basically I'm saying I go, I play nines on my Strat and I'm playing tens on my Les Paul. Same logic. I'm playing 40s on my uh, long scale bass and, you know, standard bass and I'm playing uh, 40 uh, fives on my, uh, shorter space. Uh, Tony says, do you own a Rickenbacker? I do not. Rickenbacker. It's pronounced Rickenbacker. I should, should point that out. Uh, I just restored my dramatic pause. No, I just restored my Maple Glow 450 for a friend, 1968 or 69. I was surprised at how nice it played and sounded. They are amazing. Look, Rickenbackers, there's no, they're, they're no joke company, man. They're, they're a company, you got to hold some respect for those guys. They don't mess around with the import stuff. They don't kind of make cheap versions of their instruments. Uh, they learn real fast. If throughout the years, they've done really interestingly weird guitars and basses. And if they didn't do well, they immediately go, on, will go away and they stick with the, the formula that works. They're, uh, you know, they, they kind of still use the same uh, procedures and ways to build their instruments. They still do everything very traditionally the way they did before. They don't really you know, kind of change the formula. Uh, very cool. The, the the deal with the Rickenbacker is real simple. You, It's like anything. you got to like the the neck, the way it feels. you got to like the instrument. I love the way Rickenbackers sound, Rickenbackers sound. It's like backpacker. I did a how do you say video, and I asked them how do you say it, and they said Rickenbacker. So, um, so I love the way Rickenbackers sound. I love the way they look. I don't love their necks. The guitar neck was too small for my hands. It was just a little too much for me. And the basses, I don't know, same thing. Just didn't fit 
my playing style and feel. A lot of stuff on the front of the bass. <laughs> you know, any trays and things and just things that were in my way. And if that's a problem for you, it's, you know, you're just like it was for me, um, I'm never going to play it. And so, but I, I do have a desire to want to play them because I think they sound phenomenal. Uh, Kevin Lee says, uh, Phil, the tuners on my Gretsch Duo Jet are either very tight and hard to turn or very loose with a ton of give in them. Any thoughts on to what you can do to fix this? Also, keeping a Bigsby in tune is an uphill battle. Yeah, well, Bigsby, okay, let's, let's go, go in order. First thing you have to do with the tuning key is, let me grab a guitar. A couple things that you need to know about a tuning key that are important when you're having issues. If you are lucky <laughs> and you have a tuning key, a tuning machine that has a screw right there, you need to make sure that that is tightened correctly. And notice I didn't say tightened, it tightened correctly. In other words, it can't be too tight or too loose. If it's too tight, it won't have trouble turning here. And if it's too loose, it'll be too uh, loose. <laughs> I was gonna say sloppy, but loose probably works. The other thing that happens really common with instruments is there is a nylon ring, and I want you to see it right here. You can see in the video. So here's your, the, here's the way you're this, tune, this tuning key is constructed. Here's your bass right here base of the tuning key and then uh the shaft and then of course <laughs> this is the key the tuning head and then uh not only is there a screw there but you see right here in between the two i'm sorry doing this i'm pointing at it right now whether you guys realize it or not see that white thing that is a nylon ring it is literally made of nylon the plastic material sorry as i put that away um and that ring is there as a basically as a friction uh relieving device it's a fancy way of saying it's a nylon ring and and you turn the key it's kind of resting on that nylon device now sometimes those things crack sometimes they wear out sometimes they use these crappy plastic ones that are just not the same they're not made of nylon the same material um which is like i said kind of self-lubricating in the way it works um but sometimes what happens is especially if you buy guitars used i've seen this happen so many times somebody will break them or lose them they take the key apart i've seen that and they just lose them and then they put the key back together and then one of your keys you don't realize it because you're not looking at it that finely uh it's missing one of those rings and that's what it is man it's just tightened down because without that ring you'll be able to tighten the thing even tighter and then of course it'll be metal on metal and it's just a disaster so first you need to make sure the rings are there second you need to make sure the screws are tightened correctly. If you have screws, you might not have the screws because some tuning keys are just fixated on there. But if they're not fixated, if they're not screwed on there, they probably still have those rings. You can lubricate those rings as well. I don't recommend that. I don't, I don't, I don't think you should have to do that. If everything else is done correctly, it should do what it's supposed to do. That's one thing. The other thing that can happen, especially with a Cluson style or more vintage style key where it doesn't have the uh, screw on the top, is it gets bent and you really have to pay attention to that because if it's kind of bent, that's what's happening. It's it's just not, you know, again, it needs to move with little to no friction and it's having an issue, it would need to be replaced at that point. Just go ahead and replace them, which is what I'm gonna say as a whole is if you can't make any adjustments on these, just replace them. Tuning keys feel like they're expensive, they're not. You can relatively, inexpensive thing to make a huge improvement, you can do that. On the Bigsby, 
Here's what I'll tell you. When a Bigsby is set up correctly, it is amazing and it stays in tune perfectly. So there's some things you just need to know about making sure it's adjusted. And a lot of it has to do, again, whenever you're dealing with a tremolo system, I don't care what the tremolo system is, whatever's causing it to not stay in tune is usually friction. Whether it's the strings are getting binded and stuck in the nut slots, that happens a lot, or they're getting stuck or are binding in the, in the slots on the bridge uh, saddles, right? Um, Whatever's happening is using friction. And so one of the things I always suggest is getting some kind of lubricant, which is from Diodario or Big Ben's Nut Sauce or whatever. You guys, you guys, some of you guys got some home remedies. Like I use Vaseline, whatever. You know, if you feel comfortable using that stuff, I just buy that stuff. Cause like I said, I work on other people's guitars. So I try not to use the weird <laughs> home remedies on people's guitars. It just seems more professional to be like, this is what I'm using. You know what I mean? I use these official things on your instruments. And then I don't also have to worry about if anything happens to their instrument, they say, oh, I think it was that <laughs> grape jelly you used. And I'm like, oh yeah, well. So back to your thing. If you lube, what I tell everybody is this, if you're having trouble with the tremolo, lubricate everything as best as you can and see if that makes any difference. And if it makes even a little difference, that means, again, relieving the friction is improving the thing. So keep going down that road and you'll end up where you need to be. Uh, Smelly Cats Jazz. Hey, I haven't seen you in a little while. What's up? Smelly Cats Jazz has finally tried a Kiesel. Kiesel seems to be a subject today on the show. Uh, does anyone make a similar modern heel like it for a jazz master? I don't love the Ultra JM's hump. Can you uh, shave... Can you shave a regular one? Uh, I mean, you could really do anything to anything. I, I've never done that. Um, uh, so yeah, the answer is, like I said, you could take, you can do anything to a guitar. Um, I don't know, you know, I haven't done it. I don't know if I could recommend it. Um, the Jazzmaster, I'm trying to think if the uh, Doheny's have a better heel on the GNLs. I don't remember if they do or not. I still want a Doheny. I, I sold my Jazzmaster. Uh, somebody brought it up recently because on one of the pod clips, it's an older clip from clip from 2018 and my Jazzmaster was on the wall. I'm like, what happened to that? I sold it to buy a Doheny, Doheny, and then I never bought the Doheny. <laughs> that happens. That's why I try not to do that anymore. I, sometimes I sell a guitar to get a guitar and then something doesn't happen. Yeah, you know. Uh, Mad Chris... 2249, 2249 says, have you ever played a DRM guitar, have their own branded pickups in it and they are hot? Okay, almost a fuzz sound with distortion, neon orange guitar. So you need an orange emoji. <laughs> uh, DRM, yeah, I've played many DRM guitars uh, over the years. Um, I haven't played anything recent. I didn't even know if they're still, are they still around? I mean, Fender owned DeArmond. When they bought Guild, they got DeArmond. I don't know where DeArmond went. I don't know if Fender still has them shelved and they own the brand or, or if uh, it was sold when they sold Guild, they sold off DeArmond too to them. I don't, I don't know. But I played a bunch of DeArmond basses, a few DeArmond guitars, and I really don't have a whole lot of recollection. But yeah, if they're using hot pickups, they could be. They, look, for a time being, you can understand when, when, it, when, when a lot of manufacturers discovered the ceramic magnets, those really powerful magnets, right? They, a lot of play, a lot of companies, you know, remember everything for a little while in time became how many wines can we get on a pickup? How much ceramic magnet can we shove into it? And how powerful can we get this pickup? Because it was this thing where all, they were all focused on it. And so, yeah, there was a moment in time where that was the case everywhere. I'm not a particular huge fan of that. So, in fact, I actually purposely have a few pickups that are like that in guitars of mine to remind me not to go down those roads anymore for me personally, because I've been down those. 
Uh, Randy Crook says, a few weeks ago, I got a Schecter PT special, Agua Burst Pearl. Agua? Aqua. He says Agua with a G. I don't know if it's Agua or Aqua. Anyways, uh, Pearl, Agua Pearl Burst with a P90 in the neck. And I did see your video before I got it. Thanks for all you do. Ah, so good. I had some, some effect on that and it worked out. I like the PT. I, like I said, I like the PT. I'm working on a Schecter guitar right now. Uh, so we'll see what, see what happens with that in the video. It's not from Schecter. It has nothing to do with Schecter or anybody. It's just a guitar I'm working for with a customer. Uh, Joe says, is it worth it to upgrade the electronics on my Fender player Telecaster? Love your channel. I have learned a lot. Uh, is it worth it to upgrade them? Uh, yeah. I see how I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Look, upgrades have value. Worth is, you know, what are you going to upgrade? You know, you're talking about the player. Look, the player series instruments for me. I reviewed the Strat. I never did the Tele, um, are good enough. Like I said, I, I can honestly say you can give me a player's, uh, a Strat or Tele made in Mexico and I can make that, I can be happy with that. I could plug into that and every day and be fine. You know what I mean? As long as it's set up correctly and stuff, but good quality overall. Um, I actually like their pickups. I like the stuff. If I was going to do anything to that guitar, um, the, the three-way switch they use at the finish, switch is great. It's a Switchcraft style switch if it's not still Switchcraft. And um, it's the same one they put in the USA ones, even though I believe it's made in Mexico. So the US ones have made Mexico switches now, and the Mexico made ones have Mexican switches now, um, where it used to be the opposite. It used to be both the made in Mexico and the USA, like the standard series, had made in USA switches. It sounds really confusing the way I'm saying it, but you understand what I'm saying. It's the same. Potentiometers, same. Same, nothing to upgrade there. So what would I upgrade? Ah, you could get all exotic and get a couple. Look, dude, have some fun. Spend a weekend, buy, go online, find yourself a four or five cool 0.47 microfarad, you know, cap uh, capacitors and stuff, and uh, you know, get an orange drop and get a bumblebee, whatever you want to do, right? Every, you know, it's a fun road to go down. Uh, because you could probably take 20 to $30 and just buy a bunch of caps and solder them in and try and experiment with things. But that's probably the only thing I will worry about. I like the pickups in those guitars. So it depends. The million dollar question I have for you is, what is it about the guitar sound you don't like? As soon as you don't say, I don't have any issues, then you're totally fine. You know what I mean? Like I said, never try to upgrade anything unless it starts from, I, you know, this is the issue you're having. You know what I mean? You have to have something to upgrade to. A lot of people are like, what pickup would I put in the, the this guitar? And I say, well, what what is it currently now not doing you like? Is it too hot, too bright, too too quiet, too, too bassy? And they go, oh, it sounds okay. I just think it could sound better. I'm like, well, it could, but, it, you know, it's a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, John wants us to every, everybody know, especially me. He said, he has an ethical dilemma, Okay. He goes, I ruined a very expensive GNL ASAT by stripping the truss rod. That sucks. Okay, but let's go see where he's going with this. Even the Stumac uh, oh, per, uh, precision driver won't work anymore. Okay, uh, I probably can't donate this guitar, can I? Thanks, Phil. Well, you don't have to donate this guitar. Strip truss rod is not the end of a guitar's life. Like I said... Very rare. We use the term broken truss rods a lot in this industry, and really very few truss rods break. They strip. That's what you do. Yeah, you strip them. Um, first of all, there I, I haven't seen it, but let's say you brought it to me. If you brought it to me, like somebody brought me a strip truss rod. Well, I have a uh, – you can get it from Stumac too. Uh, I have a, a, uh, 
a tool that lets me get a hold of that truss rod and remove the, the end of the truss rod off. Um, I know it's weird because you just don't see too many GNLs. I haven't worked on a GNL. I mean, not seriously worked on them. I mean, I made an adjustment to a few here and there, and I have one here. I have one. I'm pointing at that one. Sorry, the green one. Um, so I haven't had my hands in it. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what truss rod is in it. Um, but um, what's my point? My point is that you have a truss rod recovery tool that you can actually get it uh, get it off, get that end off, and put a new end on it. Because most likely what you stripped isn't the important part. The, the important part is the actual rod itself and the threading on the rod. So the cap might have just been stripped out. So we can get that cap off and uh, put a new cap on it and you'd be fine. If this all sounds like, you know, Greek to you, so to speak, uh, you can take it to a, to a qualified technician luthier and they should be able to fix this for you as well. The other thing you can do, um, now again, you're saying it's a GNL ASAT. You're not really saying if it's the USA one or the import one. Again, the price dictates how much time and money you want to put in this, but uh, you can even reach out to GNL. I don't think they do services like that, but they might have the information you need on how to fix that. That's what I do a lot of times. If I can't fix it, I'll call the manufacturer and say, here's my issue. What can we, what can I solve with this? How can I do this? And they'll say, oh, well, here at the factory, we have a tool for that. And this is what it is. And then I sometimes, I've, re I've actually done that, rec recreated a tool that a factory told me they had because they told me like, we made it out of a curtain rod and a, you know, like duct tape. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just do that too. Um, but yeah, it can be fixed based on what you're telling me here. It doesn't sound like the end of the journey of that guitar. So it can be fixed. So the question is, can you donate it? Of course you could donate it. And is it ethical? Well, I mean, it's going to, you know, it's going to start playing like crap and, you know, right. So, uh, I don't, it's not that it's unethical because you're just donating it as long, especially if you disclose it, like, Hey, you got to donate and fix it. But something else to think about is, um, sometimes you can get somebody to fix it if you're donating it. Um, I've done that. Even on this channel, you see me do it a couple times, and I do it off the channel too, where somebody says, "Hey, I'm going to donate this to uh, you know the Boys and Girls Club, or I'm doing this, and and would you?" And I'll do, and I donate my services. I'll say, oh, "Okay, I'll fix up the guitar." I did it. I now, granted, this is probably six, seven years ago because it was right before YouTube. I did a thing once where somebody wanted to donate like eight guitars to a charity, and I agreed uh, to basically go through all eight guitars, set them up, and make sure they all play great for the charity, uh, and that's when I donated my my services and time. So that might be an effective way for you to get a great way to donate a great instrument is try to find a local luthier who's willing to do it, uh, to work, to fix it, and then donate it. And that sometimes works. Um, and if you can't find, and, so, and also don't be afraid to try to talk to a store owner or a manager of a local store, uh, sometimes more so than the repair guy, because, you know, some repair people are grumpy. So, 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 so basically, if you talk to somebody at a store or something, maybe they were willing to to uh, pay the tech to do it for charity. Um, something like that. Uh, uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, the next one is from Robert M. Who says, hey, Phil, I wanted a Giannod, uh Rebel, uh, Giannod, uh guitar. It's a guitar. Uh, since I saw you discuss it on an older video, have you heard anything about how they play or feel? It's hard to find anything. Yeah. Well, I talked to those guys. I was really excited about that guitar. They had talked to me. I was really impressed with the price points of that guitar. It was really strange uh, interaction with them because 
they had some cool, interesting guitars at some more affordable price points. And when I say affordable, relatively speaking, I know this is like the internet hates the word affordable. Every time I'm like, this is an affordable. I did a video. I'm just going to sidetrack just because it's funny. It always makes me chuckle. So maybe hopefully make you guys chuckle too. I did a video like affordable, uh, what do you say? Affordable custom guitars. And somebody's like, $1,000 is not affordable. I'm like, well, custom guitars are like five grand. So a $1,000 affordable custom guitar is affordable. In other words, more affordable, I should say. Um, so again, you know, I understand. You have to be very uh, more precise with your wording. But uh, they made a really interesting guitars at some really affordable, more affordable prices for what that market provides. And um, they wanted to send one out. And then I said, okay, let's send out this, you know, the $1,000-ish one. And they go, well, we don't want to send that one. We want to send a more expensive one because we want to really highlight what we can do here. And I said, oh, okay. But I mean, I really want to show the audience that, you know, you guys can, you know, make some guitars that are more affordable for the price. And, um, and I never heard from them again. And then I talked to them once again, and then it just flat out uh, fluttered off again. So, so to answer your question, I don't have any information about that. So, uh, it was, it was, I don't want to say this about them because it's like, again, I can't confirm this, but I will tell you what happened with that situation. That's important to know. Um, it's not what they did. It's what I do now. I used to do this thing where I would discover a brand and I would talk to them and I would get excited. Like you guys get excited. And then I would discuss it with you on the podcast. I'd be like, Oh, I'm talking to this brand. It's very cool. And I learned this a very hard way many times. So, I mean, I, I'd love to say like, like I learned it and then I learned from it. I didn't, I kept doing it over and over again. I would bring up a brand I was talking with, with you guys on the podcast. And then I didn't realize that apparently talking about stuff, you guys would Google it. And then you guys would go, Oh, let's give it a shot. And you'd buy it. And I've had, and I, they're a brand I suspect this happened to, which is, I discussed them on the podcast. I discussed them in a video series where I was talking about brands. And then a lot of the viewers bought the guitars and then they didn't need me anymore because they sold a bunch of guitars off those videos. And so I've learned now I need to get the guitars in hand first. And it's not about anything. It's not about, I don't get a guitar now because it's not the point. The point was that I realize now a lot of companies really just want a video out of you. They just want the mention. They want the word. They want you to talk about them. And once you do that, you're kind of like, that's, you know, it's what's the saying? Don't buy the cow if the milk's for free. I've had that happen so many times. And again, I'm not accusing them of that. I want to be very clear. Just, I, but I, what I want to be clear about is that interaction with them is the reason why I don't do that anymore. So, uh, so that's what happened with them. I am dealing with a new company now that is also in Italy that is also very good. And I have not talked about because of that reason. We're, we're, we're going to have a, a guitar on the channel and then I'll be able to go through it and actually talk about it with you guys instead of just mention the brand and stuff. Um, so. Hmm. Okay. How are we doing? We're doing good. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not old. I'm vintage says Phil moves the needle with just saying the company's name. See, I'm not old. I'm vintage. This is the thing I'm talking about. I get credit for something that's not, I, that I don't deserve credit for. You guys are all just like me. <laughs> You're addicted. <laughs> it's not hard to sell drugs to druggies. I know that's a hor I feel actually horrible saying that out loud now because that kind of sounds mean and weird and uh, disconnected. So let me put it this way. It's not hard to sell something somebody wants to somebody. In other words, when I we talk about guitars here every week, 
I don't, I don't deserve that much credit. Just because I talked about it and, you, and some people bought it doesn't mean because I did that. You guys were looking for a reason to begin with. <laughs> See what I'm saying? That's the really best way to put it. There, there are a few of you. There's a thousand twenty of you watching right now. There are a few of you. How many? I don't know. Let's say I'm gonna say five percent. That's fifty. There's fifty of you right now. All you need is a small excuse <laughs> to buy something. You know, not a good one. Not a, not a, just a, just a small excuse to buy something. You're ready to go. You know how I know? I do the same thing. I do the same thing. We're all guilty. Not all of us. Some of us are guilty of it. It's everybody has the sickness a little bit. Yeah, Magic Man says I'm a certified addict. Addict. Yeah, it's course. Again, like I said, there's worse things you can do with your time and money. Um. Ah, uh, Bilko, Bilko, Bilko 06 says Sweetwater actually asked me how I heard about them, and I said Phil McKnight, and that explains why. No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about my cease and desist letter. No, um. They, uh, I did, ha however, have uh, some of you guys reach out to me and tell me that you had great success talking to your Sweetwater guys and getting deals. And some of you guys said that you talk to them and they don't get deals. Uh, and, I, I've, and I've heard both ways, you know. So I wanted to share that with you just to let you know. Literally, it is kind of funny to me uh, what, I, what I've been saying about how it's about talking to people. You guys have been communicating very interestingly to me that saying, hey, yeah, I talk to my my rep and I get a deal. And the other one says, I talk to my rep and he says, no deals. And I'm like, funny, see? It, and that to me proves what I'm saying. Not that I, see, what I'm saying is if you talk to the right people or you talk to them correctly, you will get a deal. I'm not, so so just want to run that by. So if you talk to somebody and you didn't get a deal or you didn't get anything taken care of, and I, I don't mean exactly what you want. Not everybody gets exactly what they want. But if you didn't get anything out of the deal, what I would say is you're either talking to the wrong person or you're talking the wrong way. So think about that and see if there's a way you can kind of make that work for you. Um, um, okay, I'm sorry. Just uh, This is what I'm saying. Sometimes I'm reading and I, I can go a long time reading the comments and not, not getting anything. Okay, um, we have... We have uh, Ishinri Kid. Ishinri Kid says, do you think the success of the 594 has pushed PRS to move, to be more vintage focused? Oh, that's an interesting question. They seem to value better than the older, but uh, more progressive models. I really think the 594 is uh, probably one of the best value guitars. Uh, anybody looking at 594, I bought a 594, so that's what I'm telling you. I bought a 594 and I sold it because it was heavy and I didn't like how heavy it was. And, um, uh, and I sold it for good money. I sold it for more than I paid for it. So, you know, that's that's always a great thing to, to, to be able to do. Um, and I find the 594 is, I think it's because what it is, is not even that it's vintage. I think Fender was able to top, tap into the mystique. Look, there's a, there's a mystique to things. Uh, for sure. Gibson has it. Fender has it. You know, uh, you know, obviously Martin guitars have it. I, I'm not, look, there's quality. There's brand, there's all this stuff, but then there's this mystique, this thing that we don't know why, you know, it is what it is. It's magic. Hey, and you hear it all the time. Like this guitar has a soul. This guitar has no soul. And I think PRS was able to really tap into the psyche of the guitar players with the 594, with that kind of mystique. It's all this, you know, what are these pickups about? What is this guitar about? And they kind of dive into that and give you a little bit of that Gibson kind of like thing. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it for sure. Um, 
you know. Uh, but uh, even even I, like I said, I even I think about like the 594 thin line keeps coming up. But I'm on a I'm on a different thing right now. I got another guitar in my sights for PRS, and it's an S2 style guitar that I'm I'm working on. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I think that's why it's a better value. I think it's because you got players that want it because it's unique and it's different. And uh, even though unique being, it's just a Gibson. So you know, I don't know. I think it's because there's a lot of players that really appreciate what PRS does for quality. I think they, you know, I mean, they do some really interesting quality things. They do some stuff and it's just sometimes people are like, yeah, I just don't like the way they sound or they feel or whatever. So it makes sense. Like, you know, it's like the John Mayer uh, Strat. <laughs> Call the Silver Sky Strat. <laughs> Anyways, the John Mayer Strat. It's the same concept, right? Uh, give me a Strat at PRS quality. That seems really an exciting thing to have. I think that's when I think of the Silver Sky. That's what I think of. It's just a Strat, but it's PRS quality. And so if you like PRS quality, you now you get something you really more interested in if you're into strats or Les Pauls. Jeff says, hey, Phil, looking to get a Tone Master Deluxe Reverb and wondering if you still enjoy yours uh, versus your tube one. I don't have mine anyone, anymore, so I sold it. Um, and so I'll explain why I sold it because obviously I bought it to make the video. And I really liked it. Like I said in the video, I really liked it. And I sold it. There's the answer. Ready? Because, <laughs> just being a jerk, dramatic pause. I sold it because I took my finger and I ran across the top of it and my finger was tan. So for the record, this is pink now. So <laughs> it was tan. In other words, there was a layer of dust on it. And uh, it was just sitting, not getting used. And in my head, I had it all like, oh, I'm going to use it to practice. And... Uh, look, uh, you know, I, I, uh, some people said it in the comments in the video, they're like, this is for a gigging musician. Look, it's for a musician who doesn't want to break their back. That's what it's really for. Somebody wants to take something that's very light to a show. Uh, I don't take amps to shows. In fact, during COVID, I haven't played anything. And if I usually do play out, it's usually with my bass. And so I wasn't taking it. And I do have uh, the quote unquote real one, <laughs> whatever. And I couldn't find a scenario where I played the, the Tone Master. I thought for sure I would play the Tone Master over the real one for the the tube one, I should say, uh, for the attenuate, attenuator built in. The, even though it's a simulated attenuator, it still does what the attenuator does, which is letting you drive the amp a little harder. And I didn't find myself doing it. Now, here's what I will tell you. And and again, this is where a, this is where reviews are interesting because I, I realized, like in a video like that, that if you changed my situation, you would change what I say about the amp. For instance. If I didn't have a deluxe reverb and I had the Tone Master, I would be totally fine. I would never, the gear math, right? I would never play the Tone Master and go, man, if I just get the real one, it's better. I wouldn't feel that way. It's probably true because I feel like it's true. <laughs> the, the, the tube one sounds a little better, but it nothing in the Tone Master when I would play it made me go, oh, I'm unhappy. It's, it's just not what I want and I need to go to the real tube one. So... If I didn't have a tube one, uh, I would I would have kept the Tone Master, but I have the tube one. So here's a good example, and I'm not saying because it's better than the, to the the Deluxe Reverb. What I'm saying is what they came out with the Super Reverb, right? The new one, the Super Reverb. If I would have bought the Super Reverb, I don't have a Super Reverb. But what about the Super Reverb? I haven't tried it, but I assume it's going to be as good as the Deluxe Reverb. I have a feeling that I would plug into that and go, "Wow, this is really good," and I have no reason to get rid of it because I don't have a tube one. 
right? But in my world, having two of the same amp, one that was digital and one that was tube, it just didn't seem to make sense. Um, so, and you know, if they keep down this road, I'll tell you where I'm a buyer at. As soon as they make the basement 59, as soon as they do that, I'm, I'm buying one. Uh, I'm going to buy one. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to wait. I'm not even going to wait for a deal. The second I hear they announce the Fender basement 59 is a, as a tone master series, I'm going to buy it. I've owned many Fender basements and I've regret every single one I got rid of. Um, and usually you get rid of them cause they're freaking loud. It's like my plexi. It just sits. You can't turn it on. It's just stupid loud. Um, you know what I mean? So, uh, so that would be my advice. So uh, seriously, honest to God, if you guys are thinking about getting a tone master amp, everything I said in that video, I wanted to come at that with at you guys with this kind of like, think about it for a minute, kind of attitude for the video, you know, but if you notice everything I said negative about that amp, just like everything I said positive really what did in the, when you ended out in the wash, that was a good amp. My only true negative critique of that amp for me personally is it's a thousand dollars, and I think Fender's done exactly what they were set out to do. They've now made the deluxe reverb tube amp fifteen hundred dollars US. So I think they're doing exactly what they wanted. They're making those those amps were expensive, but now they're expensive, and the other amps are even more expensive. So my only issue with the Tone Master series is the price. I really believe, I really believe this that you know I don't I don't ever try to be the person that's really complaining about prices. But I really feel like those prices are just slightly out of skew. They're just slightly too high for what you get. But doesn't mean it's not good. It just means it's slightly expensive for what you get. Um, so there you go, Jeff. And I will tell you this, Jeff. If you get one, take that the face, the Tone Master faceplate thing off because <laughs> it looks then it looks like the deluxe and it sounds great. It's really cool. Uh, Michael says, what's your opinion about the PRS Mark Holcomb SE? I've never tried one. I've probably seen them a thousand times. I've never picked one up and played one at all. So, uh, don't know. Uh, that would probably be a good guitar to try out. Unfortunately, I just talked to PRS. See, I started talking before thinking, see, now I'm down a road. I didn't want to be on. Uh, so I mentioned Sweetwater giveaways. I should also mention that I reached out and well, I didn't reach out. PRS was talking to me about something and I said, Hey, for fourth quarter, I, I I'd like to do some more giveaways for fourth quarter. So we have a PRS SE coming on the channel for a giveaway from PRS and, uh, but it's not the Holcomb. I, w I wish Michael, I heard you last week. I would have mentioned the Holcomb. I think one I picked is cool. And I think the reason I'm going to do the video is cool, but yeah, the Holcomb would probably be really cool. Maybe they want to do that later with me, a Holcomb. And then we'll do a, like maybe a giveaway or something. I don't know. We have to see. I have a bunch of giveaways planned coming up. So we're going to have to see how this goes. Like I told you guys, I like doing giveaways. They're a lot of work. <laughs> it's like, see, it's very hard to get people once they win something to email you back and take the stuff. And I know every time I do that, somebody out there sighing like, what? But trust me, it is. Uh, it's like, uh, oh, and by the way, here's a tip for you guys. If you want to win stuff, uh, don't use your work email addresses because half the time your works, the way your, your software or whatever your company set up, half the time I respond to you guys and tell you guys win, you, it goes in some kind of spam lockdown thing. And then I, cr I spend forever getting a hold of you guys. And then when I go hold of you, they're like, oh yeah, it's because my company blocks you out. So just, uh, just some advice. Bradley says, I just traded my Epiphone SG for a Schecter C1 Platinum, and I love it. Have a great weekend. <laughs> it's very important to Bradley let you guys know that. You know what, Bradley? That is hilarious. And uh, good, good, uh, good. I think that's a good, that's a good trade-up. You know what I mean? That's a trade-up to me, right? Traded the uh, Epiphone SG for the Schecter C1. That's an upgrade in my mind. 
Uh, so audio says, audio acrylic says, I started watching your channel when uh, you posted a video calling out some horrible painters doing <laughs> crappy paint job at your house. Oh, at her house, my mom's house. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, that's, that's that time. So you know what I'm talking about. So here I was like, think of this. I didn't take any breaks from the podcast. I, and again, now that it, you know, you look back, it, it obviously I made it through and all everything made it through, but you, you see what I'm saying? It was a different vibe. I was very upset. It was very hard to hide, uh, my feelings of that whole thing. And so what's funny about that is, uh, in the grand scheme of things, now I'm smarter to know, maybe you should take a break for a week or two or something, or a couple of days, right? Just take some time or even, so, you know, it has nothing to do with the shows. It's, it's the shows being this podcast. Sometimes it's like, why am I not taking the day before the podcast off? So I'm recharged for this podcast or trying to push through it or the videos that I'm trying to push through. So, yeah, but yeah, uh, you're talking about the painter that screwed over my mom. That was, uh, that was a pretty sucky situation. Um, so Tim, Tim Huffman says, big fan Phil, just saying thanks. No reason to thank me, but I appreciate it uh, all the same. Uh, I have no idea. Damiva, I love this. D-Y Miva, Damiva says, in my experience, he's like, you know, in my experience, uh, do guitars with factory quality repairs and refinish work sell for more or less if the paint is custom color? Um, so, okay. So I'm bra I'm boiling down this question down to, you're saying a guitar that has factory quality repairs and refinish work. So basically not done by the factory, but the quality is of that par. Uh, it does not, uh, help the guitar. It hurts the guitar for sure. Look, uh, absolutely. I've said this before. I have a Nuno in four. This is the best way to explain what I'm about to tell you. I have a Nuno in four. This guitar was, the story of this Nuno in four was, it was a limited edition guitar called the RAP, which stand for Randall Amplifier Project, R-A-P. And this one was actually in the president of Washburn's office. I bought it from Washburn directly. And it was because uh, during the recession, you know, things were tough and they were clearing out guitars and I bought the guitar and it had a cool paint job. If you can Google it, you'll see the paint job was killer. And the finish started flaking off the guitar. It was about a year or two later. So I was going to sand the guitar down to wood because if you know the Nuno in four, the Nuno Bittencourt guitar, you know, it's just wood and no finish, just sand it down to wood. It's an alder body, sand it down to wood. I was going to sand it down to wood. And before I got the sander out, I thought, why don't I have it custom painted? Because if the custom paint doesn't work out the way I want, I can sand it down. So the reason I say that is this, that guitar, I know in your head, you guys are all thinking like, man, that'd be, you know, not all of you, but some of you would go, oh, I'd love to own a Swirl Nuno guitar. That's cool. Some people are like, that's ah, gross. But some of you guys are thinking it's cool. But realistically, if I sand it down to wood, it would be worth more money, more money. So uh, essentially when people refinish guitars, which I've done like this, and, 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 and this is where you have to factor this in. Cause I know some of you guys are going to say something, but you're not thinking of it clearly. This uh, Charvel DK24 that I have custom painted by Paint Huffer with this metallic flake and it's got my logo and stuff. This guitar is worth less than when it was just, it was, it was black before it was just black. Now, some of you are going to say no, but that has really to do with the channel and the excitement and the fact that I've talked about Paint Huffer and you guys see there's a history and a story behind that, but to convey that as if I didn't have all this you know, not channel, but this ability to interact and have stuff. These guitars became, become almost celebritized in their own right. Um, that's what YouTubers 
YouTube channels, you'll figure out even small YouTube channels. I mean, really small, like 100 subscribers. Uh, and no offense if you have 100, 100 subscribers, but that's a small channel too. But uh, but uh, you can guitars product can be celebritized in the videos. People just seem to know it, and it's exciting. Um, you know, almost think about this. I I could tell you, honest to goodness, I. I, I, I can think of like every channel you can think of. I can think of like the guitar that I think is their guitar, the celebritized guitar. Um, so without that, without this, that secondary factor of usually it hurts the guitar in price wise because everybody, you know, and think about this here. A perfect example for me is the strange ads on reverb eBay uh, over the years where somebody says guitar custom set up by John Smith from Smith Emporium, the best luthier in Seattle. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know this jackass. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a slam again. And it's a made up person. So if there is a real person like that, I swear to God, I just made up all that stuff. I try to be as generic as possible with the name and the company. But my point is, every time somebody tells me, uh, or somebody puts those in the ads, painted by, you know, Sarah Daverson from Daverson's paint jobs, right? You're like, and you're like, oh, she only paints six guitars a year. You're like, I don't know who this person is and it has no value to me. So like I said, that's why I'm saying about the secondary nature of it. You'd have to be, you'd have to know who did the work and you'd have to value the work to some degree. Like, give me, here's a good example. I actually have a fantastic example, uh, even better than my Nuno one. If you, if you uh, put out a Friedman amplifier, small box 50, and said, hey, small box 50, modified by my guitar uh, local tech who's amazing and everybody loves him in town, you'd be like, no, I don't want that amp. <laughs> but if it said uh, Dave Freeman himself modded the amp and signed it and, 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 it's, and wrote a letter saying what he did to it, that would have value to somebody. But sadly enough, it wouldn't really add a whole lot of value to the amp. It might make the amp as valuable as another amp that's not modded, maybe a little bit more, but in most cases, it's probably not going to add value. And that's Dave Freeman himself doing it. And that happens a lot. Um, we have Thunder Falcon. Thunder Falcon says ESP E2 or Jackson made in Japan series. Your thoughts, which do you think is better quality? Um, I have not tried any of the new main Japan Jackson guitars. So we have to exclude those from whatever you're asking me. I have not tried them. I know nothing about them other than the fact that they're like four times more expensive than they used to be when they were the main Jackson series. I like main Japan Jackson series guitars and I really liked them, especially when they were 300 bucks and you can find them all day long for three to 500 bucks everywhere. They have definitely like everything else that slowly boiled up in the pricing to the point where you can find them still sometimes a good deal, six, 700 bucks, but everybody's trying to get a thousand for them now. I'm not sure what they're worth. I know, I know what they're worth to me. They're worth six, 700 bucks to me. Tops, tops. So, you know, and they've been coming back down in price as the market's been slowing, but, uh, the reason I say that is this, you have to take this year. The question is so hard to answer for two reasons. One, I like the ESP E2s that I've played more than the Jackson Main Japans in quality wise. Quality on the E2s has been flawless, perfect. I haven't picked up one yet that hasn't rung true as a perfect guitar. However, they are not in the same price point as that, that Main Japan Jackson series guitars that that I'm talking about, which is the older series. Um, on average, I would say you would expect to pay half 
as much for the Made in Japan Jackson series guitars. So that's not an apples to apples comparison. I mean, I understand we're talking the same kind of manufacturing process, but it's not the same. I can pick up a Made in Japan Jackson guitar for a thousand bucks. I cannot pick up a Made in e- uh, Japan ESP E2 for a thousand bucks on average. Usually you're going to pay a little bit more, at least 1500 But I like the ESP E2s. And so the, the second part of your question, which you didn't ask, is would I pay more for a Jack uh, ESP E2 than the Made in Japan Jackson? I would pay more for them. So me personally, uh, as uh, I just like them more, quality wise. Um, Courier eleven second. <laughs> Does that mean you get somewhere in eleven? Hey Phil, I just wanted to wish you a good weekend. Have a question that is maybe better uh, off stream. Uh oh, is it okay to email you? Um, yeah, I mean you can email me. That's the problem. You know, people randomly grab my attention with the emails and stuff. I mean, I I get to as many as I can. You can always do that too. Um, if you put that, you know, obviously that, you know, hey, ask question, put in the subject the, the thing that you want me to know. Like, hey, t- I ask question at the, at the um, you know, live show and stuff. And, and, and I'll, I'll grab it and I'll, t- I'll take a look and I'll do what I can. I'll always try. I always try to respond as many as I can. Like I said, a lot of you guys, I've told you this over and over again, no one listens. <laughs> if you send me three paragraphs in an email, it's never going to get answered. I Even when I try, I'll sit and I just sit with a nice cup of coffee and try to get through. And I always think of, it's a, to me, it's a test. To, I, I will answer emails like you take tests. Tests. I get through all the easy questions as fast as I can and then go back to the hard ones. The problem is it's a test that never ends for me. So it's just, I get through all these ones. You guys, you guys watching this know, if you send me a question like, hey, Phil, and you can get it down to two sentences, which I know is very tough, but it's something that I can read and I can answer with like on my phone. I answer a lot of things on my phone. I'll do it absolutely that way. But if you're, uh, and if you definitely don't want me to answer a question when you email, start a question. And again, no offense to anyone who's done this because again, there's nothing wrong with doing this way except for, like I said, I'm making you aware of the time frame. Don't start with three easy questions first. As soon as I see first, I'm never going to read the rest because I start reading it and then I'm like, yeah, I, because I, I, I feel weird answering one of the three. And I'm like, I'm not answering all three, whatever you're asking me. So they're like, first, here's the thing on this. And the second part of this is, and the third part I was thinking was this. And I'm like, I understand where you guys come from. Look, and again, it's just a time frame thing. Um, I wish I was more uh, uh, successful in the idea that I had, you know, pe- people to delegate more stuff to. I would just answer the emails. Like I said, Chuck Surak will answer emails. He Think of this. The guy who's a billionaire that runs Sweetwater will answer emails faster and better than me because he's got people running it, you know, his company so he can answer the emails. <laughs> I wish I could kind of do that too. If I had somebody, I guess, doing all my editing and all the other stuff and fixing guitars, I would, I would be answering more emails. But so like I said, I do as much as I can answer. Uh, but like I said, if you really need my attention, if it's important to you to get my attention on an email, just make sure it's short because I'll, I'll always spar off a short response or at least I'll try. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I have, Andrew says I get an email at work every three seconds. I know the feeling it depends, right? Like I said, I wish it was more stable. You know what I mean? So I could rely on it. I mean, I can literally, on a live show like this, I could get 50 emails during a live show. I can get two. You know what I mean? I don't think I get much more than 50. But dude, that's like one every two minutes. <laughs> like, it's crazy. What are you going to do? 50? 50? Each email takes you at least one minute, That's which it doesn't. It takes at least five minutes, if you think about it, once you read them and respond. Uh, there's no way to get through that. Um, okay. Um, do... 
I just want to refresh this and let everybody know that the last super super chat is Jim. Uh, so Richard it says, uh, and then we'll go to non super chats. Uh, Richard says, I need a new nut on my Les Paul custom bone or tusk. Which would you prefer? I prefer bone. I like tusk just fine. Just like Gibson will use nylon ones as well. I like those just fine. Like I said, I like bone. I don't know what it is. I used to always like graphite. I was, I was always like, I probably, if you go back far enough in the, in the, um, uh, podcast you probably hear me answering graphite a lot which tusk is essentially a different material it's like corian it's it's gonna give tusk is tusk with a q no elephants hurt doing this <laughs> um tusk with a q comes from the same company and it's different material but it achieves the same thing it's very hard very dense and self-lubricates um and there's nothing wrong with it Highly recommend it. I, you know, uh, you get tailors, they have tusk. I mean, like I said, I would never, I would never remove a tusk nut off any one of my guitars to put a bone nut on there. Uh, just like graphite. I would never remove, me personally, I would never remove a, a graphite nut to put a bone nut on there. But if I have no nut on the guitar and I'm putting the nut on for the first time, a, t a bone is one of the things I grab for first. Um, I like working with it. That's part of that. You have to think about that too. I like working with bone. I don't know what it is. A little bit is Neil Moser. If you guys know Moser guitars, Neil Moser uh, was showing me some stuff on bone. He gave me some crazy uh, cow bone that he dried. And it was just, I don't know what it is. I started working with it more and I'm like, you know, it is kind of fun to work with. Is uh, You know, I used to hate it because it smells like you go into the dentist and they're drilling your teeth. <laughs> that smell is just horrible. But after a while, like, eh, I don't care about the smell. I, I like the, the, the way it works, the way, it, you know, I like working on it. So that's part of that for me. Sound-wise, I would never put money on the table that I could hear a difference. Like if you guys said, oh yeah, I put a bone nut and a guitar and then a tusk nut and then tell me which one, I, would, I couldn't tell you. I could barely tell you the difference between the bone and the brass nut. You know what I mean? There's maybe a little bit more high-end ping sound off the brass, but a lot of that's just, you know, it's brass and it's in your head that it does that. I, but like I said, I like brass, I like bone, I like graphite, I like tusk uh, for materials on on a nut. Um, the harder the material, the better for me um, because of the fact that, like I said, it wears a little harder to wear. It stays in tune better because it's, again, the string has less time, uh, less likely to bind in it, cut into it. So something like that. But back to your question, which is back to the Les Paul Custom, I, I would probably do bone. Because it's just to me when you, it's another thing too. I like uh, if you do a vintage style guitar, do a vintage type material like bone. Um, Jim Hathaway says, "Phil, thoughts on the new uh, Magnetone amps?" Oh, that's a really interesting question. Hold on, I'm about to get a panoramic stereo combo. Wondering if dirt pedals going into the vibrato will sound good. Oh yeah, you know, funny, funny thing that happened to me. This is a crazy thing that you, you asked me because I, I would never have a reason to tell you guys this story in every other way. So as you guys know, a few months back, I mentioned I had, I traded a bunch of stuff into Guitar Center and I got these gift cards at Guitar Center. And it was like hell and back, as you guys know, just to buy an amp at Guitar Center, just to buy, to spend these gift certificates. The most brutal experience I've ever had trying to get rid of some money because the stores just didn't have anything in them and online was out of stock. And of course they sent me the amp that was a demo model that was missing foot switch and stuff. So here I am trying to get rid of these gift cards. And I said not get rid of, because obviously it's money has value to me, but I'm trying to find something to enjoy with this purchase. So I went to the guitar centers. I went to all five. There's five in my city. 
so one day I, I, re I made a resolution. I'm going to go to all five and spend this gift card. So I drove around. I went to each store. And I got to the one that's in Scottsdale. I'm pretty sure I might have been in the Phoenix one, but I'm pretty sure I was in the Scottsdale one, Scottsdale, Arizona, which is like the, you know, it's the more expensive part of town, so to speak. And here's why the story's funny. I walk in the store and I'm looking around. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, what do I want to spend these things on? I don't know what I'm going to do. And there was a magnetone amp. And I'm like, oh, a magnetone amp. And I plug into it. I walk up. It's just sitting. It's sitting on the floor, right? But it's sitting on the floor. You know how they have the amps on the amp stands? It's sitting on the floor in front of amps, in front of the amp stands. And there's a guitar there. So I pick up the guitar and there's a cable sticking out of the magnetone. And I plug in the guitar and I start playing the magnetone. And I'm like, oh, man. This is just magic. It's a magic amplifier. Oh, it's magic. I go, I got to have this amplifier. I go, I'm buying this. So I'm sitting there playing it. But of course, you know, I'm playing it like a couple minutes, maybe three to five minutes. The employee walks up out of nowhere and he unplugs me. <laughs> I was like, oh, was I being too loud? I didn't say anything. I was just thinking it like, I don't know. Did I do something? Right. He unplugs it and he's like, yeah, this, this amp's not for sale. <laughs> I'm like, it's not for not for sale. He's like, no, this is a customer's amp. He brought it in. He'd be really mad if, if, uh, if he knew you're playing it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I said. I know I said something sarcastic, like, uh, would he be mad if I bought it? That's what I said. Would he be mad if you if I bought it? <laughs> and then, and then they he walked away with the cable. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first, look, I'm laughing, not, look, I knew the guy was a dick. I was laughing because I was like the first time I've been scolded since I was like a child. I was like, huh. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder why I can't spell, spend these gift cards. But anyways, here's what's funny about the story. So obviously I was like, oh, well, obviously this guy, I, I, I assumed what happened was a customer brought his own amp in and was trying guitars, I'm sure, and left the amp. But, but he's not even in the store anymore. So, you know, the customer's not in the store anymore. So it wasn't like you know, the customer's standing there and I'm playing his amp. Um, but the interesting was there was a pedal. I got to play it through it. It was a great amp. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I went home. And of course, you know, Guitar Center doesn't even sell those amps. I looked online at Sweetwater. They were out of stock, of course, on every single Magnetone amp. I would have totally bought one that day. It was that, I was that jazzed for it. But of course, as time goes by and the feelings fade of buying one, I didn't buy one. But to answer your question, uh, I loved it. It was a, it was a fantastic amplifier. Um, and ironically, I thought it was going to be pretty expensive, you know, when I was playing that one. Uh, but when I looked at them online, they are expensive, but not as expensive as I thought. So the answer to your question is you should buy one. <laughs> and just remember one day you should let me play it <laughs> and not scold me. But I just remember that. I remember thinking like, that was the weirdest thing. I've never, I've had so many experiences, but I've never had one where somebody just walked up, took the cable out and said, yeah, you, you, that amp's not for sale. <laughs> All right. So no magnetone for you is what junk food zombie says. Oh, it was hilarious, right? I was like, oh. That was so funny. The guy, and the guy, and here's what's really funny. The guy was really offended. You could tell. Like, so you know, the employee seemed really upset that I'm somehow like violating this amplifier, doing whatever I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, it was, it was literally plugged into the wall. I didn't do anything. I didn't plug it in. It was plugged in the wall. It was sitting there. There was a cable in it. There's a cable plugged in already. All I had to do was grab a guitar off the wall and plug it in. So I was like, all right. So, uh, <laughs> So, all right. Uh, oh, uh, Chase Parker says, what amp am I talking about? A magnetone. Magnetone amp. Uh, fantastic amps. Tremolo on there is just amazing. Uh, so, 
Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, like I said, that was the last super chat. So I'm closing out the super chat. If you super chat, I'll try to grab it for next week. Uh, let's finish up today and let's see anything else on the main page that you guys, since I've been anything exciting. Uh, let's see. You know, it'd be nice is if, I wish they would timestamp these comments so I know when. David says, it was his amp, perhaps. No, it wasn't his amp. I thought that for, for a second, too. I thought like, maybe he's the employee brought his amp. It wasn't his amp. You could tell. He put it. He, he, um, after I, he unplugged me, he unplugged the wall. You could tell he was setting aside for the customer to come back. Uh, the customer was obviously buying a guitar. The, the guitar center that I was at, like I said, it's in the more expensive part of town, has like a private stock area and stuff. So I, I'm sure I'm sure what's, what was going on was the customer was trying out ex, expensive guitar again, you know, and um, I, I, like I said, I was one of those things. Remember, I was telling you guys I resolve like I try not to get pissed off. <laughs> so I, I didn't get pissed. I actually kind of said I was sarcastic back, which he took well, which actually boded well for the entire situation. Like he didn't laugh or anything, but he didn't get like mad or irritated with me. So I don't have time in my life to be upset with people <laughs> for stupid things. There's too much. There's not enough time for that. Um, okay. All right. Let's grab one last one. Uh, we're gonna okay. Floopity Doo says, uh, "What's up with the V?" Uh, that's my Gibson V. It's in my collection video. It's a, uh, a Gibson white V. I added the, the uh, tremolo is the Duesenberg tremolo that was on the SG. So if you saw the video where I put it on the SG, I took it off the SG and I put it on the V because I wanted the Hendrix thing. That's what I like. I was like, I want a V. I want to be like Hendrix, <laughs> you know, uh, and I plugged it in and I play it. It's been downstairs this entire time hanging next to the TV. Um, and, um, and I brought upstairs to, to plug it into the ingle, uh, and, uh, and, and rock out. So there you go. That's up with that. Um, and and then fast, fast Eddie three 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 says what is it it's, it's and this is our last one he says phil would you put an lsr nut on a fender guitar i would not um i've installed more of them than i've ever wanted to that would actually fall under the question sometimes asked i've been asked like i've ever done repairs i didn't want to do it's not that i don't want to do them it's just i already know how they kind of end sometimes uh you install an lsr nut on a fender guitar you can never go back. They sell a, uh, a plastic shelf that goes on the guitar, and then you can install a regular standard nut back and take it back from the uh, LSR roller nut kind of thing. But uh, me personally, I've, I look, I, I like I said, when I talk about the zero, th this is actually, I've spent more, I've spent as much time fixing LSR nuts as I have been installing them. And what I mean by that is the whole point of them is that ball bearings essentially, and there's a two ball bearings on each side of the string and the strings riding on the ball bearings. And of course they roll and uh, like ball bearings, like on a ballpoint pen and uh, you know, obviously eliminating the friction. But what I've seen is, is that uh, they corrode all the time and they rust a little bit and then they don't move and then you have binding issues on them. So you probably have to lubricate them, although I've never seen any kind of specific uh, 
you know, re recommendations from Fender to lubricate them. But also what I always remind people is there's a reason why Fender doesn't sell them on, on their guitars anymore. Fender makes them and sells them aftermarket, of course, because Fender, su Fender supports most their discontinued guitar type product they can. Uh, if they can, I should say. Uh, and so that's something they do. They support that. So they still make LSR nuts, but I believe most of the time they make those just so you can fix the ones you already have because you're always fixing those. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. So that's my answer on that. And then I told you guys I'd end the show on a little bit of an announcement, kind of a weird thing since it's always the more diehards hanging out this long. Um, so I made an announcement today uh, more in depth with the patrons. I'm going to let you know. I, I've had this idea and strategy in place for a while now. Uh, and I've been working very hard on executing on this. And I came up with this idea and I don't remember what spawned it or what, what, what specifically happened that made me want to do this, but I decided what I wanted to do was limited edition runs of products. Okay. On the channel. And so what I mean by that is there's certain products, as you guys know, that I really like, whether it be a string swing, as you know, I talk about them, or DiMarzio uh, De strap locks. I like them, of course. I like snark tuners. I use those. Um, there's all kinds of products that I use uh, all the time. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did limited edition runs of certain products? And the idea being, I could talk to a company and say, hey, why don't we make a limited edition product, whether it be a guitar uh, and not a signature product. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not a Phil McKnight signature or anything. In fact, most time we'll just say know your gear on that. Or in most cases, the stuff I'm, I have coming out doesn't have any, no, no attachment to the channel at all. It's just a color you can't get or anything. Um, and so interestingly enough, when talking to companies, uh, trying to use some of the clout of the channel, in other words, the, hey, this is what we can, I think we can do, um, it's worked. So I've secured at this point a half a dozen companies that have agreed and we've actually executed on this. So in other words, you'll see this soon um, to do limited edition runs of certain products. And those limited editions will be sometimes a uh, limited edition color on a guitar. Sometimes it'll be a limit, a recreation of a cool guitar. Uh, sometimes a limited edition uh, finish on an amplifier. Sometimes it's going to be a special like accessory item, but uh, the idea being, uh, this is something that normally, uh, you wouldn't find, right? So, and I've, I, the reason I tell you guys this is remember, I've said this so many times on the channel that limited edition things are custom things that if you make a hundred limited edition things, the idea that a year later, two years later, no one has it, but a few people. So you go, Oh, I feel like I have a custom instrument or custom item. So I thought, wouldn't that be great? And I've kind of created this almost impossible task. And this is why I thought it'd be fun to share with you guys. I, I really, I'm not exaggerating, an impossible task. Every manufacturer I talked to, I basically gave them, uh, and that's why I give them accolades, almost the, like I said, the impossible mission. I go, here's what I want. I want this product. I want to do this many of them, but in this special finish, this special way. And I don't want any bump in price. I want it to sell for the exact price that it normally does. Because again, I want it to be special. And each one it's really a balancing act of trying to figure out the right number of these things so that we can get an idea to you. Everybody gets one now, of course. So, you know, I'm very upfront about this. The patrons will always get priority. And that's not to say that you need to run and go to Patreon to get, get this stuff. What I'm saying is the patrons get told of course, first, and they get guaranteed to get one for the most part, but you understand what I'm after here. Obviously that I really, after everybody gets one, uh, I I'll, I'll I'm kind of going to let some stuff out of the bag. One of the companies that I talked to, which is Robert Keeley, I told him, look, I don't want what I don't want is secondary market issues. In other words, I don't want to make a product and then everybody get one. It's something cool and limited, different. 
And then next week on Reverb, they're three times the price because there was half the people got one that wanted one, and now people are trying to jam up the prices. That's not what I'm after either. Um, so again, it's it's and and so you know, there's all kinds of reasons for doing this. Sometimes the products uh, will be sold by me, so that makes it easy. So uh, I've done a deal with a couple companies where. Um, I bought them. I mean, I, f- I physically bought all of them. So I, I requested it, built it, designed it, or not built it, but, you know, designed it. And then I bought it all. And then I'll be selling it to you guys on my Reverb store and I'll be making those announcements. And then sometimes the, the companies, it made sense for the companies to handle it. So I'll just tell you guys like link down below and you can click and get one. Um, and uh, and what I will tell you is, again, try to make it exciting and, 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 and do that stuff. Um, so I thought I would announce that. The... Uh, the um, <laughs> 1000 KYG shell pink Achille Caverns pedals. Yes. So, um, so I thought I would just kind of give you guys a brief announcement. What's also cool is this, the plan that I'm hoping to actually, so let me tell you what we got achieved and then I'll tell you what I'm um, hoping to do. I'm hoping to do it monthly. That's the dream to have a product every month and a product that everyone can afford. So at some point, a $5 thing, a $500 thing, a $2,000 thing, uh, you know, and I know that's crazy what I'm saying, but you understand what I'm saying. Like every, every, you know, so if you go, Hey man, I can't buy a $1,500 guitar. That's crazy. But I go, Oh, well, here's a $300 guitar. Or here's a, here's a hundred dollar amp. And here's a, you know, right. So there's always something for everybody, a pedal, uh, uh, you know, a strap, something that, that that's interesting and cool for everybody. And, uh, and like I said, sometimes KYG logoed up stuff and sometimes not even min- no mention of the channel at all, just cause it's unique, uh, in some other way. Um, but what I have done, so that's what I'm dr- dreaming of doing is monthly. What I have done is I've secured it to do it quarterly and it starts next quarter. So you guys will see the announcement very soon on the first product. And then uh, what I will do is as the product, I'll try to give it, you know, like I said, I I'll dish it out as it comes, uh, the information. So I thought I would share. So there you go. And if you guys have any suggestions, you can send me suggestions of stuff, but keep in mind, like I said, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, uh, you know, obtainable, but I will give it a shot. So hold on. Oh, KYG flamethrower. That's a good idea. I didn't think of that. And like I said, this isn't merch. Um, that's not the focus. So it's not about hats and shirts and all that stuff. It's not merch that limited edition stuff we're talking about. We're talking about actual products. Um, and the idea, like I said, I didn't, I can't remember the exact idea on this, but where I remember thinking actually kind of was one of the main reasons was I was thinking about, wouldn't it be cool if I had, it was all about me at this point. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if I had this blah, 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 and this color, and then I was thinking about having one custom made. And then I thought, well, why don't, instead of having something custom made, why don't I reach out to the manufacturer and see if we do 20 of them or 10 of them or a hundred of them? You know what I mean? Can we, can we give them that weapon? The one I'm most excited about hasn't been confirmed yet, which is it's a more affordable, cool guitar line. And it would be like a limited run of 25 or 50 of them. But again, something that you can't get except for, you know, in a limited run. So... Yeah, now it sounds like all you guys want toilet or uh, flamethrowers and toilet paper, apparently. KYG toilet paper. So thought I'd give you guys that teaser to let you guys know that's coming down the pike. Uh, and I'll slowly announce all that stuff as it comes. All right. And on that note, I'm going to let you guys go to your weekend. Enjoy the weekend and play guitar. I will see you next Friday, the same time, same same channel. <laughs> and uh, until next week, uh, you guys have a great weekend and know your gear.